I, I hate <laughs> Yeah, me too. Welcome to welcome to hell. Yeah. That's what we're living in right now. Yeah. Do you want to start the show? <laughs> I was about to. Hello and welcome to hell. I mean, the Gaming Fix episode 121 on May 16th, 2020. I'm your host, Andre Cole, aka your partner's favorite flip trick. I am joined today by Pat Cotter. Uh... Yeah, I got nothing. Uh, we're Hot in off a Final Fantasy VII spoiler cast. Yeah, I burned my uh, any cleverness I had in the in the in the Final Fantasy VII spoiler. I was going to make a Final Fantasy VII reference, but then I was like, no, we just did the spoiler cast. That's boring. And then in my brain, different, different podcast. Up. I'm a ragdoll Viking. <laughs> yeah, you are. Uh, that was the voice of Alex. Uh, I am a 360 pop shove it reverted into a varial kickflip into a double heel flip. Oh no! Wait, wait, wait! I want MC Twist. Oh, I used to the think Mc that Twist? was a. I think, well, is it a McTwist or is it an MC Twist? It's a McTwist. Because oh, I used to call it a McTwist, and people were like, "Wow, you're, you're stupid." Like, it's not if what you it's were called. like a skateboarding, uh, skateboarding uh, rapper, you could go by MC <laughs> Twist and like skateboard just, through all your songs. I just got told I was an idiot when I was a child for calling it a McTwist because there's no way there'd be a skateboard trick called something that's well, stupid. Well, it was invented by Mr. McDonald. Oh, yeah, it's all first McDonald's. Sense. Yeah. But I'm loving it. Allison Saigon. <laughs> uh, whereas I had that similar experience, but with uh, ATATs or ADATs. And I feel like I've had it both ways where people have said, uh, you call it that. And I'm like, I don't even know anymore. I, I would argue that Star Wars is a piece of fiction and you can call them whatever the fuck you want. And that's it's true of Star Wars isn't, stuff in general. And isn't don't they call them ATATs in the in the cinema? In, yeah. In the films? But, yeah. But but a that's, lot of people call them ADATs. Well, they're wrong because they're not in the movie. Yeah. And I, I called them ATATs and it's like, oh, it's ADATs. And then I said ADATs and people are like, really? And I'm like, I don't even know anymore. <laughs> it's fine. It's people shouldn't feel ashamed uh, for the things they call I think it's ATATs. Star Wars. It is ATATs. It is only acceptable. Yeah. The only acceptable alteration is if you got a shirt with a picture of an ATAT, but it's been turned into a cat. So it says cat cat. cat, cat. That's OK. <laughs> I'm just going to call them the sniper tank. <laughs> that's not what they are i know it's the all-terrain armored transport whatever <laughs> sniper tank is such a stupid name though what is the sniper tank i don't even remember anymore i don't think that's a star wars thing i think it is I- well there's atsts but that doesn't stand for sniper tank that's all-terrain scout transport the all-terrain attack pod nicknamed the sniper tank oh it's got a retractable third leg for stability baby <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah oh my god um, <laughs> all right well we're oh. off to a, a ripping start on this one uh, <laughs> you, you know what alex for that you're you're gonna start us off oh fantastic uh, tell us about the the media and games you've been consuming yeah sure um this time i actually have a for real game that has more than like 20 minutes put into it even though it's a game we've previously talked about Whoa. um Right? So, um, tank in it? No, there's no retractable third leg, so far as I recall. Um, Dang. 
So I have put a bunch more hours into a game I talked about a few weeks ago, and that game is XCOM Chimera Squad. Um, ooh. So I don't know. Have any of y'all checked it out? No. We no. just lost. We just lost Pat. So he's the only um, one who I might am, have. <laughs> I am intrigued, uh, and I I could see myself maybe picking it up, knowing that it's a bit more constrained than. XCOM. Yeah, I, I, and I kind XCOM of like two is nice, but I kind of like the idea that um, that there's more, you know, characterization that's already in there. Yes, mm. more Fire Emblemly give Fire yeah. Emblem yeah. giving it like actual stakes behind who people are and trying to keep them alive. Yeah, stakes and chicken breast. But do you know? Did you guys play any of the more recent XComs like uh, Enemy Unknown? I only played uh, very little of the first uh, recent XCOM. I, I played like three missions of XCOM 2 and a few hours of XCOM 1. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, so I'm, I've been a long time XCOM fan. Like I'm, I'm talking like Terror from the Deep and UFO Defense, like the old, old, old PC games. So um, that's for my own little personal history. I love Terror from the Deep. It's so good. Uh, and Enemy Unknown, when it came out, was a total revelation. Like It was just like, oh, wow, they really modernized this in a great way. XCOM 2 I thought was really good, and War of the Chosen is excellent. So I was pretty hot on the more recent Firaxis XCOMs. Uh, so this kind of came out as a surprise drop was a really positive. So yeah, I'm about five or six hours in now. Uh, from what I hear, it's about a 20-hour game. And the feelings I have so far is that it feels really good. Like in general, the XCOM, the XCOM combat. There we go. And like that general sense of strategy you get from XCOM games is a hundred percent there, which is great for a ten dollar game. Like it still feels like similar to XCOM two. I would say more now than, twenty, but it was available for ten. Probably right. will be again soon. Yep. Yeah, you're right. During the introductory period, it was half off. Uh, it adds some new mechanics, which is neat for a budget title. Or like budget compared to the full price games, uh, it has the breach mechanic, which um, at the start of a mission, uh, you choose where your agents enter the battlefield, and when when they go in, like it can have some effects. Like you're going to surprise the enemies on the other side, or like uh, depending who's first, they might get a buff, and who's last, they might get a debuff and stuff like that. So uh, there's usually like multiple breach points, so you can kind of min max those uh, buffs however you want. Pretty neat. Uh, it's a good way to make it a little bit more dynamic. And like Allison, like you were saying, the fact that now that there's discrete characters who have their own personalities, and actually that part is pretty awesome <laughs> mm. uh, because like Firaxis and their writers were finally able to flex their chops a bit, like with the character interactions and stuff. Like uh, the dialogue is generally really good and like clever and funny. Uh, it, it has way more personality than any of the previous ones, I would say. Like. Most of the personality from the old ones, in my opinion, came from like uh, the commander, <laughs> or like the commander and who, who I forget the dude's name who always says commander. But uh, uh, there's yeah. people at the base who aren't going out on missions and probably dying. Yeah, totally. Like your doctors and your engineers, etc. Like they they do have personality, and I would say that in general, like the personality in Chimera Squad. Is pretty fantastic. Like the humor they have is good, and like some of the kind of interstitial writing they have is pretty excellent. 
Uh, the setting is really cool. The fact that you're in a city, like you're confined to one city, uh, like 30 years or something after the war. I can't remember. It's a significant amount of time after the war has ended. So now you have folks from every faction just kind of living together uh, in relative peace. Obviously not exactly, but um, it, it's, it's a really interesting setting. But all of, the, all of that being said, I was struggling with it after a few hours. Like, just like I didn't know if I wanted to continue. And that's purely, um, it's purely a pacing problem. So, the reason is so, something I love in the old XCOMs uh, and like every old XCOM from UFO Defense all the way up to War of the Chosen is the opening moves where you can kind of set up your squad, like, Wherever you want, and like you can kind of see where the edges of the enemies will be, or sometimes you have hidden enemies, which is also cool. But the idea is like you can set up your own synchronized ambush wherever you want. You know, like you're you're making the opening chess moves, and then when you're ready, you hit the button that's like, okay, let's pop this off, and then you're in a battle. So like you kind of set the own, your own pace, and then those games also have different kind of uh, mission objectives, which could really make it more dynamic. So. Uh, I would say XCOM 2's where you had to like diffuse stuff within a certain amount of turns was maybe the worst, but you know sometimes you're destroying something, sometimes you're extracting someone, some you're like you know like they're all different. Sometimes they're all the enemies on the offensive towards you. Sometimes you're sneaking up and going up on them. You know it was very dynamic as mentioned. But with this, every single round starts with a breach, uh, so there's never an opportunity for those opening moments of just like setting up that big old ambush. Uh, yeah, everyone is a breach. Everyone is immediately in combat. Everyone, you always know where every enemy is right from the start. So there's no but surprises. Isn't a breach? Isn't a breach a big old ambush? Yeah, but you're not really setting it up. Like you don't have mm-hmm. that much control over it, and like it's just kind of the same thing every time. So two hours in, I was like, this was fun the first two or three times, but now the tenth or eleventh time, it's exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was kind of bummed on it, so I kind of st- stepped away from it for a couple of days and came back. And actually, after coming back, I enjoyed it a bit more, which is weird. And that's when I realized I was thinking of the game the wrong way. Uh, I was thinking of it like a standard, normal XCOM game, but you kind of have to recontextualize it as a more casual game. <laughs> like it's kind of the game you sit down with for twenty minutes or thirty minutes, rather than like you know uh, binging. And yeah. Yeah, like if you really want a really quick strategy fix, uh, you can just go in there for thirty minutes, forty five minutes, and be good. And is then that our new podcast? Strategy fix, hell yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, coming back to it as like a bite sized XCOM, I think it's actually really good for that. Uh, but I think you, sh- if you're going to go into it, have that in mind. Like, don't think of it like a full ass XCOM. Uh, yeah, so that's basically where I fell on it. Um, I'm going to continue with it. Uh, probably not be touching it like 24 7, but yeah, come back with it in 30 minute chunks. All right. Sounds good. The, it, you saying all that makes me definitely interested in checking it out. The more I hear about it, the more I'm like, eh, maybe I should give it a try. It's, it's yeah, it's not good. super expensive. So yeah, it's fun. If, if you like strategy games, it's pretty easy, easy recommendation. And if you like sexy snakes, then also a pretty easy recommendation. Oh, well, before oh, yeah. I was like, eh, but sexy snakes, well, <laughs> now I'm 
No, I'm in. <laughs> Come for the strategy. Right after I finish anime standing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's good. Um, uh-huh. There, There is some, you can kind of see the budget in some places, especially with the mm-hmm. art. Like, uh, like the in-game art where you're like shooting your guns at shit and all the characters, they look good, but they're kind of... Uh, Visual novel e like characters popping up on screen and having dialogue. That art kind of looks like uh, it was drawn by what's his name from Higarashi with ham hands. Like it, it, it has that same kind of vibe of being yeah, kind of kind of terrible. It's funny. My my dad's a huge Xbox Xbox XCOM <laughs> fan, and um, he was like. Well, the the strategy stuff is cool. It's cool that they changed it up, but I really don't like any of the like dialogue or world stuff and I was like ooh I think that's the stuff that's really going to be prevalent in the next com um, probably I, I think that this is kind of I get the impression that Chimera Squad is definitely like a here's a bunch of different stuff and let's test and see what people really like um, while still providing yeah, well, a, respond to. A, like an affordable enjoyable kind of shorter experience um and uh, I suspect you'll see some of that stuff carry over. Um, I'm really interested to play it at some point. I haven't gotten around to it, but I, the characters sound really cool. That's the thing for me that yeah, they are um, that that I'm into. Yeah, and you and get like, to, oh, sorry, go for it. The the XCOM is super replayable, right? Because there's so many different strategies you can take, and so mm-hmm. much of it is procedural. Um, I feel like uh, even if this is a little less random of a game than um, XCOM proper. Uh, the fact that there's the different characters means you could like play through it in with the different characters and get a totally different dynamic in the missions, which is cool. Yeah, totally. And those characters, they do play off of each other and they have like dialogue between each other, which is really yeah. like, unique and fun. And it's it's cool. I, I I kind of almost prefer it over you know naming your friends and putting them in there because yeah, just, I mean, I'm kind of avatars at that point. It's it was an interesting. Um, I, we've we've been watching a lot of Josh Sawyer, who is a um, developer at uh, Obsidian Entertainment. Um, he his first big game that he was uh, one of the leads on, I believe, it was the lead on it was Icewind Dale Two. So he's been around for quite a while in the RPG space. Um, he's the game director on um, Pillars of Eternity uh, One and Two. I believe he was the director of both of those. Anyway, he's been streaming um, a game called Darklands from the early '90s, based on the RPG source books of the same name um, set in medieval Europe. And uh, on one of his streams, somebody was like, so do you like randomized characters where you're like just naming them yourself and stuff? Or do you like characters with written story? And his response was that if the writing is good, pre-made characters are great, but that the writing is usually bad Mm -hmm. um, in games that have pre-made characters, um, which I totally agree with. So when it's good writing, I love, I would much prefer to have premium characters with sort of um, injected personalities that are written, but it, it's just that they're bad a lot. So um, yeah, totally. Yeah. But it sounds like this, like I know the waypoint crew was pretty hot on the writing and, and dialogue in this game, which they're pretty critical and have a pretty hot, have pretty high standards for that kind of stuff. So Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, between I've, you I've saying been, that, and I know you do too. Yeah, uh, that's that's encouraging. Yeah, so that's XCOM Chimera Squad. Can recommend. Great. Uh, the other thing that I finished, what we've been talking about for what like a month, and then <laughs> briefly in like last year or something, uh, is Legend of the Galactic Heroes, the 
very long anime that started in the 80s and ended in the 90s and like mid 80s and late 90s so it's a it took 10 years for them to finish it um but but like not consistently putting it out like as like no. a weekly thing it was like a, no they released a season it. per year or something or i guess it was all one season but yeah, it's all one season. They kind of released it like every two or three years as uh, basically almost like direct to DVD, well VHS kind of mm-hmm. uh, collections. Okay. Uh, I don't, I don't think it was ever just airing on TV, so, so far as I'm aware. But yeah, uh, Legend of the Galactic Heroes. I have finished all 110 episodes of the core series. Um, something that surprised me was after all of that. I felt like it could have even been longer, honestly. <laughs> like, um, I think I mentioned before that something I was worried about was pacing. Like, maybe it would be really slow and boring because it's a long anime and it's like one story that whole way through. But no, the pacing is fast throughout and it, it's really strong. Um, it has lots of twists and turns, like, really great characters. Uh, the like contextual universe they built is awesome. Like I honestly don't have much criticism of the show. Like apart from like some super minor nitpicks that don't really matter. Uh, basically, like if you want Star Wars with way better writing, uh, deep political intrigue, and like this this overarching story that seems like it might have inspired George R. R. Martin, <laughs> uh, you should probably watch that show. That. <laughs> no, I'm, saying, I, I'm saying it might have inspired. It's not. It's not. It's better than his writing. Okay. Um, yeah, like it's really good. Like that. They're not afraid to kill super major characters, like the ones with frontline billing on the posters. So uh, it's really interesting in that way. Uh, it's really good. Um, I'm. I'm considering watching the movies in the side series now, but. Uh, maybe not right now. <laughs> I think um, my imp- I en- I watched like I don't know the first hundred episodes or something like that um, a long time ago, so I don't remember a lot of the plot beats. But I remember it being very high quality. And um, the only thing we talked about this briefly in the Final Fantasy VII spoiler cast is it felt to me like there was in the same way that Game of Thrones does it that there were moments where it was like these major characters are dying because no one is safe. And I was very much like, okay, I get it. You're yes, that's real rough, but it's been so long that I don't know how I would approach it and like how I would respond to it now. Um, But I remember that was the one thing I didn't like about it at the time was like, you don't have to kill characters just to prove to me that you're willing to kill characters. Uh, And that was something that I didn't like about, um, Game of Thrones also that's kind of why I was like eh, I don't know if I need that because uh, I generally don't like that as a as a thing in, in fiction but looking back I think I probably just was also it was a long time ago that I watched it too um, and that it, it's probably more sound narratively than I remember yeah I would say it's worth rewatching then because the way they kill like some of the main characters and the impact that has for the rest of the show <laughs> feels like the they wrote the ending first and then worked backwards and then connected all the ties rather than it sure. seeming kind of random like that's always kind of how i saw game of thrones it's like kind of like how lost felt like it was writing its plot episode by episode and then trying to tie the ties just like to make stuff make some sort of logical consistency 
like that's also kind of how I've seen Game of Thrones. I haven't watched Game of Thrones. I don't really care about it. Um, I've tried to watch it, didn't like it. Um, but Legend of the Galactic Heroes, it feels like one of the major character deaths in like episode twenty or thirty or somewhere in that range happens, and then it gets referenced for the next seventy episodes. Like not not directly like every episode. It's just like oh shit, if that guy was here, like like this was the impetus for all of this other stuff kicking off and like it that becomes its own major arc like it feels like character deaths actually have total meaning and that they were like very deliberate point parts of this story that felt really natural so yeah that's good yeah so like i i agree with where you're coming from in terms of how other series have done it but i think this one handles it really really strongly yeah i think there's just anytime i'm not arguing with you either because I haven't watched it recently so I don't have the same context but anytime um, a someone sells something to me as none of the characters are safe I'm less so with you because I have a lot of respect for where you're coming from with those kinds of statements but for the most part when I hear that from people I kind of go like nope don't care <laughs> not interested because uh, it's yeah I wouldn't say that's a selling point like I feel yeah. like when people say that with Game of Thrones they're like oh check out how edgy this is exactly or yeah check yeah, out, yeah like how yeah. shocking that's what I'm getting at. like exactly. red wedding yeah. nobody's safe like it, it's yeah. less like actual you know interesting uh, character even though that, I liked a lot of Game of Thrones sure and it's fine if people yeah. like Game of Thrones I'm not saying you should like what you like I'm not saying that people shouldn't like Game of Thrones but I remember the selling point for the like right i watched yeah. the first season and thought the first season was good and the character death that happens at the end of the first season is very much a like this makes sense this right. is like narratively impactful of, yeah um and then i there was some stuff early in the second season i just didn't find interesting and didn't even really try to watch the second season and then some friends of mine showed me the red wedding scene as a thing that they thought was going to be like oh, oh you'll want to watch it now and I was like, this not sucks. Really. This is bad. This is stupid. This is all just shock value, like kill your favorites so that you, you get angry at the show. This is like, are you hate watching this at this point? And they were all kind of like, well, yeah. And, I'm and like, okay, I have better people things certainly to do with got time. there. I stopped watching quite a few multiple seasons before the end because it wasn't good anymore, I thought. And then season the last season was like actively Terrible, but I think uh, yeah. part of it too is I remember when one of my favorite shows is the the um, the uh, more modern Battlestar Galactica series, and that's a show that deals with a lot of major character deaths as well. Um, and at the time, there were people who tried to sell that show as like no one is safe, and it always made me really frustrated because it's like that's not the point. <laughs> the point is not oh we're so edgy and we'll kill anyone. The point is. The, the character deaths are not like part of that. Um, so that's interesting to me. Uh, and I might try to give it a, a rewatch at some point. I've been exercise biking and playing games while on the exercise bike has been fun, but also I'm starting to look for like other stuff to do while I'm doing that. So yeah, can recommend that one then it's, it's a great story and I think it had, it, which is so rare with media, and especially comparing it to Game of Thrones, it has a good ending, which feels internally consistent, and see, it leaves things in a place where it's very satisfying. Cool. Which is why I wanted it to be longer, because <laughs> it's like, fat man, I would have loved to even like dive deeper on some of this other stuff, because these characters are so fucking good. Yeah. So. Anyways, cool. yeah, Legend of Galactic Heroes, that is now done, and that's basically it for me. Uh, 
did other stuff, but we don't have to talk about work. <laughs> all right. It's probably NDAs and shit there. Uh, yeah, if you, right. you want to go break in NDAs, let's do it. Hell yeah. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, let's uh, let's continue the uh, animated show talk. Yeah, we're here. Let's uh, let's roll into it with Allison. Okay, you finished the show. I did. I did. So is it yes, <laughs> season or series? Series. Series uh, finale. So yesterday, uh, the series finale for uh, Shira and the Princesses of Power dropped. Uh, I've actually only I like I've watched this entire series within the past couple weeks, actually. Um, but it's Netflix, right? Yep. Netflix. Uh, and guys, it is extremely good. And heard. you should watch it like it's cool. I think I was unprepared for how good I would think it was. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it really blew me away. And then uh, season five, which was the last season uh got a lot like went in some really interesting places uh characters wise but also interesting places and that a decent amount of it happens uh in space so it's like gets all sci-fi now which i was not expecting (laughs) but it's uh it's genuine i think that's that's one of the, the the things that kind of weirdly connects it to what you've been talking about alex where I feel like all of the characters are genuinely super interesting um, to the point where there's there's the main characters that you obviously care about. But um, there are um, like almost all of the side characters just are really well written and are really interesting. And you would watch an entire series about each of those kind of side characters. Totally. Um, And there is multiple different like like there's. There's definite um, interesting, it it goes like so many more interesting places than you'd kind of assume a cartoon that is presumably made for children would go, but it's, it does it in a really, really well way. Um, And uh, they also also, uh, have been planning, from what I understand, have basically planned the entire series from the start. So, um, like the, this was the last season, but it was very much planned to be uh, this length and this story, yeah. um, which worked out really well. So there's, um, yeah, I, I really don't want to spoil things, but at, like honestly, if you're looking for a good show, I would definitely recommend it. It's it, it really surprised me. Like season one is um, like like it starts and it's like, OK, this is kind of charming, but it's not necessarily uh, blowing my mind. But then it it really keeps going and evolving in interesting ways uh, that I thought was pretty unexpected um, and does some things that I think are pretty. Uh, extra- like extraordinary for a cartoon made presumably for children. So uh, definitely, definitely recommend uh, you guys watch She-Ra, the new She-Ra, um, because I, I honestly did not think I was going to get this uh, attached to it. But, you know. Is She-Ra related to He-Man? Yeah, something? like in the okay. original, con- in the, the like for when they, when they originally made it, 
Shira was kind was the um like female counterpart in the 80s to He-Man. Um, but I think that there's some legal weird issues now, so that when they made this series, they couldn't do any references to He-Man stuff, from what I understand. Oh. Because I think He-Man and She-Ra are owned by different companies now. Of of course. You know, like like in the whole kind of weird Marvel thing. Yeah. Like where where they own different things even though they're still con- they're connected. Um mm-hmm. so the uh She-Ra series doesn't reference anything uh He-Man at all, but Yeah. Okay. It's cool though. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't I wouldn't expect that for something whose genesis comes out of an 80s cartoon like such yeah. as He-Man. Yeah. Well, see that's the thing too is that they still use basically all the characters are from the the 80s show. Um I think maybe there's a couple that were created but like most of them are from the original 80s show or from like the various toy lines because it was one of those shows that was created to sell toys um and all of the names are there so it really sounds like cheesy at times like like uh but my sibling got me into this and we were like talking about it uh at dinner and it's like talking about mm, where uh where you're talking about characters like uh, Princess Glimmer and uh, like, you know, like just various, like very kind of cheesy 80s names. Uh, there's one character who's a sorcerer whose name is literally Castispella. So, <laughs> what? <laughs> and it's like, you're taking, yeah, I know. I love um, that. No, it's good. Yeah, it's very funny. Yeah. So it's like you take, but it's like they took this, like, or, like this these characters and this like kind of eighties cheese and like turned it into like, like a remarkably good show, which is like, I don't know how they did it. It's kind of amazing. It's kind of like a miracle that they managed to make it all work. Does it play it straight throughout or does it kind of take a deconstruction? y kind of turn. Uh, It's mostly played straight. Um, There are a couple of times where I think they kind of highlight some of the weird stuff, but uh, like some of the characters aren't necessarily always played straight. Like there's a there's her talking horse Swiftwind, uh, and they uh-huh. definitely pull play a lot of jokes about like like you know wait that's that that horse is talking is is this new? But it's 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 yeah it's it's there's a lot of like the other thing that's just really interesting is just like there's the characters are written so well that all of the interpersonal relationships are really interesting. Um, like they kind of, because there is like this kind of political thing like that's going on. Like they have, they have a, a war they're fighting, but uh, people might change sides and just seeing how the interactions change based off of that can be really good. Um, there are a couple of, uh, characters that were interacting in season five that hadn't really before. And we're like, and, and my sibling and I were like, I didn't know I needed this, but this, this works completely with the characterization. So it's right. like, yeah. And there's also, um, some, some good, good queer representation in it, which is extremely good. Uh, I don't want to like spoil too much, but, uh, they make things canon and it's good. 
Cool. That's rare. <laughs> yeah. Um, I might, I might have to like share with anybody who doesn't want spoil, who doesn't mind spoilers after the cast, because I'm just still like kind of buzzing about it. But it's like it, it it's it's also just like super nuanced in in certain ways. So I'm like, yeah, it's it it's very good. I I feel like I keep saying that, but it's very good, and I I totally recommend it. Awesome. I might actually go watch more cartoons because uh, I my my sibling and I have been watching this and it's been really fun. So there's a, a fascinating documentary called "By the Power of Grayskull" that's about <laughs> He Man. Hell yeah! Um, and like the toy line and kind of speaks to the stuff you were talking about. How like originally this stuff was made to tell, sell toys, right? Um, and there's a great line in it that I can't remember, but like. It's like the creator is like there. They were the reason that He Man has like a green cat as his like mount is because they were already making that toy for a different line, so they just used green plastic instead. Wow! And the creator in the documentary, the creator is like, I don't know, put him on a fucking tiger, Uh, and it's (laughs) very funny. Um, I will also warn people if you're trying to find that clip, do not search He Man fucking tiger because. You're going to get some stuff that you don't want to. Well, I'm presuming no. you don't want to. I didn't want to see. He I really don't want to see that. I'm sorry. Fucking tiger. Oh, God. <laughs> I, I, Alex, you images. would. Do it on Bing. I didn't go sure. into images because the uh, web results were enough to make me go, uh. There's nothing that crazy here. Oh. Okay. Okay. Uh, okay. What? <sighs> okay. That's not uh, something you would normally have on a saddle. I think mm. we can move on. Well, uh, <laughs> you also played a game, Allison. I did. I did. I also played a game, which is uh, presumably a bit of a theme on this episode. Yeah. 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 If you, yeah. Spoilers. If you don't look at the timestamps, you're going to get a bunch of similar games right now. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I've been playing uh, Assassin's Creed Syndicate. Uh, I already played this on uh, uh, PS4, like, Quite a while ago, um, but I because we were talking about Assassin's Creed uh, Valhalla and I was just kind of feeling it. I I um, syndicate was still on sale on uh, Steam and it was, I think, like nine dollars. So I decided to pick it up again and have been playing it. And guys, that is a good, good game. Yeah, it is. Uh, it is. It, uh, so. A lot of people kind of, it's kind of like the last hurrah for the original kind of style of Assassin's Creed before they moved to more open-worldy type things and Origins and Odyssey. Um, but it really kind of uh, perfects that formula in a really interesting way um, yeah. where it it's kind of like, like weirdly just kind of takes the Assassin's Creed formula and it's like, okay, how are we going to make this the, um, the exact kind of perfect Assassin's Creed game. So it's, it's, it's been really fun to revisit. Um, I actively really like both of the main characters, uh, Jacob and Evie. Uh, they're both really fun. Um, and they, I, I don't remember if other Assassin's Creed games have this, but, uh, there, you can you can launch a zipline, and that makes uh, 
that's like a game changer for exploration. <laughs> that was exclusive to yes, uh, yeah. I, that's I, part I of yeah. That was like the biggest new feature, if I recall. Was, yeah. was the zipline traversal stuff? Yeah, that's what I thought, but I, I couldn't remember it in any other games. But yeah, but guys, it is like night and day. Like so nice to have um to to have something like that, so you can kind you don't necessarily need to go. Okay, I'm at the top of a large building. There's another large building over there, but. There is not a lot of like stuff in between. It, it allows for a lot more interesting kind of exploration and uh, for some large, you know, like you don't need to create certain landmarks or certain things. It, yeah. It, yeah. I think it works really well. I think one of the reasons it, it's so important is because the the like if you go back through the series, Assassin's Creed 1, 2, Brotherhood and Revelations were all based in fairly ancient cities that Mm -hmm. have very narrow streets. So you could have like, you could like poke like a thing out on either building. And then it made sense that a person, a very acrobatic assassin could jump across a street, like jump from one building to the other. Um, Whereas in, and then like that continued into Assassin's Creed three, which had a lot of tree stuff. Yeah. yeah. The the trees, Um, the tree stuff in three was actually pretty cool. Yeah. And I've actually been thinking about going back and playing that remaster on PC. Cause I think if it was better performance, I would have a lot better time with that game. I do Um, have pretty fond memories of, of the, some of the tree stuff. So I get it. Yeah. And uh, three is a, just to jump in three is a bad mm -hmm. game, but the traversal was not the reason it was bad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, AC four, you know, moves to a lot of the boat stuff and there's still more tree stuff in it and stuff. So like syndicate, though, was sort of the first one that was dealing with, um, closer to modern environment. So they had to come up with a way to make it so you could cross these streets that are designed for like carriages and stuff. And And I think that, that um, works. and, And that's kind of one of the things that I really like so much about syndicate is the, uh, the um, environment feels so good uh, to traverse around it. I, I really enjoy like, that's one of the things I like best about um, the Assassin's Creed series is just the uh, kind of exploring around in an interesting mm-hmm. environment, historical period. Like I think we were talking about this, how there's not really other series that are doing kind of similar. You know, we're, we're like, let's explore around this new place, um, an interesting right. time time frame. Um, but yeah. uh, so I've always really liked that, especially even in like like Assassin's Creed 2 and Brotherhood. Um, but uh, Syndicate's uh, like uh, London feels just so good to to mm-hmm. go around. And it's so uh, it it feels very like like. It feels like just like a really great environment. So I I, I just really uh, love that game. Uh, yeah. I I haven't gotten too too far. Um, I, I'm I'm a few hours in I think because I I got the grappling hook zip line uh, and I, it's it's opening up more. But it's I it's I think genuinely. Like a really great game. So even if you're, I, f- I feel like a lot of people maybe didn't play it or kind of discounted it because Assassin's Creed was still doing the, Hey, we're going to be a yearly release title, 
which is kind of like, did anybody and really need that? The one Unity before it was so, burned. Uh, yeah. yeah. A lot of goodwill. Which right. is unfortunate because Unity is actually a pretty fun game now after they fixed all the technical stuff. Like, it, it's a pretty cool. But nobody, nobody remembers that, with especially with the yearly release games. Yeah. When they fix them. Like, right. Um, and so it's, but, but yes, that's part of, I think why syndicate was such a like, and, and remember syndicate got announced. Well, it didn't get announced. It got leaked. Syndicate. That was the one that Schreier leaked the existence of syndicate leaked the photos from it. And then people flipped out because they were like, well, unity's still broken. How can they be working on another one? Then it was this whole like shit storm <laughs> you know of like how Ubisoft works. Every person at Ubisoft should be fixing unity. And it's like, that's not how video games work. <laughs> it's, they don't make Unity, damn it. And they did fix Unity over time. It's just, it took until, like, Syndicate came out. Yeah. <laughs> Trey, that joke was terrible. <laughs> uh. But yeah, no, it, I think it got kind of uh, laid at the weight. Like, like a lot. It's kind of um, forgotten, which, I, which is kind of a shame, because if somebody yeah. asked me, uh, hey, what Assassin's Creed game... Uh, before Origins, would you recommend? I would probably still talk about Syndicate. Yeah. Um, not not even just because it's the most recent, but I think that it kind of figures that formula out kind of perfectly. So yeah, I think if you're someone who's, if anyone said, I've played all of them except for the the most recent two, and mm-hmm. I think if you're someone who's like, wow, there's like 15 Assassin's Creed games, I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. I want to play one of the ones before origin. What should I play? I would definitely point you to syndicate, which is saying something because I think brotherhood is a phenomenal game. Yeah. I have and like a lot of like really good kind of nostalgic feeling for two, like the whole two series. Yeah. Um, but and, I, I, I think syndicate still refines that stuff to such a fine oh, yeah. point that it's, uh, it's definitely the one to, to play mm-hmm. if you either played brotherhood and liked it and, want to play another one like that or if you're new to the series and want to touch something from before origins um so yeah yeah it's, it's a great game yeah so i I'm, i've been having a lot of fun uh revisiting it and uh recommend other people check it out too if that's something they're interested in uh especially if you're uh whenever there's another steam sale um you can get it for a pretty not too I much money i think too you can use you can get it on epic pretty cheap right now too it's oh, like eight dollars okay, yeah. or something Probably yeah. cheap on the UPlay store as well. It's right probably now. cheap in general. Um, except, which is, what, except on Stadia if it's there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what I will say is I have very rich memory of the characters because the characters are excellent. Mm-hmm. I could not tell you the plot of that game at this point yeah, if you put a gun to my head. Like right I, now, <laughs> right now, like I'm still like several hours. I'm like multiple hours in, and the the plot is still kind of like. Oh no, we're gonna still, we're gonna take over London, and I'm like, yeah, okay. that's kind of the law. Lo- I mean, it's very like, I it's it's very much a game about style and character arc yeah. over over um actual storyline. So you you should if you do play it, I still think you should play it because mechanically it's so fun and yeah. there's so much to do and the world is so rich and the characters are so good. So all along you're still getting pretty good writing that is mm-hmm. like fun, but. Uh, the the um, the the plot and narrative is not super strong, right? Which yeah. is true of a lot of Assassin's Creed games. Um, I think there are only a few of them that have pretty strong narrative plots in like the the 
the the the main story part. So yeah, the whole um, we need to take back London thing kind of feels very much like okay, we're trying to find a way to justify the kind of Ubisoft uh, move to this new area. Here's yeah. a tower. Here's There's a crime a, boss, and yeah. you gotta save the district. That yeah. kind of stuff. And, yeah, yeah. And I and I find I do find that kind of that formula pretty compelling. Like I know yeah, that's been played out by Ubisoft, um, but. You know, the whole like, okay, we're going to take over this whole area and here's this map and you see here's how much completion you have. Like there's something very kind of, you know, satisfying about the uh, about about getting a map. And it's like, oh, here's all the places that you've taken over. Here's all the places that you haven't. Here's you're like Oh, total map yeah. is 42 percent and you're like oh man i'm almost to 50 yeah and, <laughs> and i will say it's definitely not like bad like i remember assassin's creed 3's plot because it's terrible oh yeah um yeah it's not so. bad it's just kind of slight i mean like honestly yeah, it's just, like it's just limited like i'm several hours in and i'm like i don't know i don't really care like i don't really like i'm playing it now and i'm like i don't really care about the plot i just kind of want to see yeah. more character interactions with uh, Jacob and Evie and see them meet more historical figures. So, and that <laughs> stuff like, is very fun. That's there's, there's a lot of, I don't even want to spoil it if you haven't played it because for people who haven't played it, because like the characters at first you might go London and in the industrial revolution. Who am I going to, what that doesn't sound interesting. You meet a lot they, of cool they pull people in that you're like, Oh, right. That person. That's funny. Yeah. Um, that's good. And there are a couple of people, like, even even though I've already played this, I'm like, oh, yeah, that guy was in here. All right. And, yeah. And, and the writing is just genuinely so kind of fun and charming that it's nice to meet all of those characters. So it's, it's yeah. Yeah. This is, I, I haven't really followed Assassin's Creed that much in since probably about Brotherhood. Uh, this is the last one before they really turned into RPGs, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. like, it's kind of the last one that maintains that kind of feel of, you know, one, two, three to an extent. Um, yeah. So, it's also the last one that focuses on the Desmond line. Oh, I didn't know yeah. Desmond was still involved at that point. <laughs> uh, he's not really it's from like the it's, fallout it's from very... his story, kind oh, of. Yeah. Okay. I mean, and, and this, their characters are still, if I recall, correct me if I'm wrong, Allison, their characters are still tied to Edward Kenway's. Uh, lineage. Oh, no, probably. They just um, mentioned it like very yeah, briefly. It's, it's it's a very thin tie. It's yeah. like, oh yeah, Edward Kenway is our great and uncle or something. The, uh, and a couple of the characters from from the Desmond kind of outside thing showed up, and I was like, oh hey, you guys are still yes. doing this, huh? But it's like extremely slight. It's a lot less um, present than say in like two, right? Where, where, yeah. you're, where um, it was a lot. And, and part of that's because it's one where they they were continuing to go forward for such a long time. Like they start in the the first Assassin's Creed from then on, every game is moving forward in time through historical settings. Um, and uh, so that's part of it is, um, you know, you're getting like thinner and thinner connections to Altair that still right. exists. Um And then with Origins, that's when they were like, nope, this isn't this is no. Desmond comes up in passing because he's still part of the greater lore, but it's a total reboot in terms of like the characters that matter. In fact, the, the Assassin's the Creed movie story is just like, no, the Assassin's Creed movie is pretty integral to the story of hilarious. Assassin's Creed Origins, which oh. I love. That's a, it's amazing. I think it's so great um, that you got to go watch the shitty ass movie if you want the full picture. 
Um, <laughs> shitty ass movie that I enjoy watching because it's still pretty beautiful at times. Like there's still some shots and moments and action sequences that are great in that movie. It's just terrible story and terrible script. <laughs> hey Pat, you're pretty beautiful at times too. Thanks. You too. Anybody remember that Kristen You're- Bell was in Assassin's Creed? Nope. Yep. <laughs> Forgot that. I did remember that actually. <laughs> I thought about that a while ago and I was like, huh. That's the thing. Also, okay. you don't really have to watch the movie. They actually recap the important stuff for you in Origins. So <laughs> do they play clips from the movie? No. No, like, that'd be good. They can't afford the Michael Fassbender yeah. <laughs> licensing. They don't rights. reference Michael Fassbender's character at all. They reference um, Marion Coutierre's character, though. If you get Weird. 100% an Origins, could you watch the movie in full? That's the secret movie oh, where if you collect all the feathers in Origins, that's yeah. what you get at the end. Yeah, like, you get just like the whole movie. Oh, what was the one where you could sit on the couch with someone and just watch the entirety of To Kill a Mockingbird? Was that The Darkness? What? Was that the darkness or the darkness sounds, too? I think sounds like it sounds like they, know, they should totally do that. that. They should totally do that in an Assassin's Creed There's, game where you watch the Assassin's Creed movie and just fucking blow its own lore up so much. <laughs> huh. What's well, funny is that Origins actually recovers that and makes it so that the the lore implications of the movie are not as fucked as they seemed like they were going to be. The way it like immediately retconned the movie. Uh, no, it doesn't retcon it. It just oh, okay. shapes the, 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 that context into something that's a little, it shapes it into more of like, yeah, this is one thing that Abstergo was doing. Abstergo does all kinds of shit all over the world. Uh, like so. make video games with Ubisoft. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's, this is a weird story, but, uh, as I'm, I'm playing Assassin's Creed Odyssey, and I find myself missing like the more stealthy, like stealth focused gameplay of Syndicate yeah. and like those earlier games. For so like, long, I'm I having didn't... fun, but yeah. it's interesting because or I'm spoiler, uh, I'm kind of in a blender of Assassin's Creed because I'm also playing Origins. Origins still has a lot of stealth stuff. You don't have mm-hmm. to play it that way. But um, but but in, at least as far as I am in it, you can take most of the the like stuff you do you can do stealthily if you choose to you can either just, just go in and fight or you can be stealthy it just well but also you can't like assassinate most people because they're like you can take down like three quarters of their health but you're not going to kill them with your blade because of like all the rpgs like oh oh that's not a thing and your stuff and that's interesting oh. in origins you can you can take people out from the the very first like right at the beginning you can but, sneak up behind like, them and push Y as, and then they're out as the le- uh, there. There are some people you can do it to, but like there are certain people, people who are like, oh, this person's yeah. a level higher than you. So, you oh, that's not a thing in Origins. Uh, in I Origins remember being a thing in there there. I mean, there it is. But I've encountered in, I don't know, five hours back into the game. I've encountered that one time in Origins. Um, uh, one enemy that was higher level encountering it. But one time where I go to stab a blade into a person's neck and then they're just like nah fam <laughs> but in origins that's, that's, that doesn't feel great where, where i'm at in origins you don't even have a blade yet it's it's when you assassinate when you assassinate people you're like just like knocking them out basically he's not even killing them um it's they're like getting taken out and dropped in the bushes or whatever um so it's well, sort of different well, in Assassin's Creed Odyssey, I'm throwing a magic spear into people's necks from like 20 feet away yeah. and then teleporting to them. <laughs> so, so, 
I mean, we're kind of consolidating Odyssey and Origins into its own thing, it seems. Yeah, but yeah like, that's fine. Yeah. Like, um, do you miss the stealth? Like, do, do they ever, or second question, unrelated, I guess, but uh, are there moments of stealth? I think there still are. Stealth around. Yeah, you can stealth around. Right, uh, like, and if you go into like a like a, a base or like a fort or whatever, you're probably going to be better off stealthing around because there's like 20 dudes walking around sure. and you don't want to get all of them like shooting arrows at you and surrounding you. So, but there's, and I think part of it's because the way the world is set up now, since it's so much more open and like there are a few, it's a lot of like, Oh, here's a little city or like a little like village. And then here's another little village a ways away. But in between there's like bandits and stuff. And so I'm like, Oh, I'm riding my horse. And then, Oh, there's some bandits. And mm. I just like want to like run around on some rooftops, but there's not a lot of rooftops to run around on. Yeah, there's definitely not a lot of rooftops to run around on in Origins, the place that I'm in. I know that you go to Alexandria, and I'm pretty sure Alexandria is more of a like Assassin's Creed city that has yeah. a little bit more of that rooftop stuff. Um, yeah, I'm sure once I get to like Athens, it'll be like that. One of the big changes with the Origins Odyssey thing that is makes it less roof running aroundy is um, in in assassins the older assassin's creed games you had to find handholds to move between really right. like it was very much yeah. like you gotta you you can't climb this thing this thing is not climbable because it's a sheer face that doesn't have any, you, you can't climb it in this spot but in in or origin whatever, so yeah. far i have not found a surface that i can't climb um oh yeah you just it, you, you can you, spider-man up anything. They, they, they do a good job of making it like at least in origins like oh yeah there's cracks in the brick between yeah. that you're grabbing into that is unrealistic, but at least it's like not literally a sheer face that that yeah. Bayek is just kind of like spider manning on, but it still doesn't have any challenge for how you approach um, climbing stuff. Like it's it's very much like even if it's like there's a rock cliff face and it'll be like, yeah, yeah, he can climb it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it it's mm-hmm. like these characters are just covered in baby oil and have no <laughs> friction and they can just slide up anything yeah. that um, any obstacle that comes and, in their and path. My point with the saying is like cracks in the brick. It look it doesn't look stupid. It looks like uh, yeah. It, I don't know, maybe in an Odyssey it gets kind of silly, but in in Origins it looks believable for uh, this superhero this ancient world superhero to do this. Um, but it still is not like the way climbing worked in the older games, which yeah. I think is one like, of the things that it's, that, that that's probably the thing I miss the most. Um, personally, I, I don't mind like the being able to climb up anything. Uh, it's cause it's nice to just be able to get in, yes, especially so, because the world is so big. Exactly. That's what I was going to follow it up with is I think it's, if it, I don't think they should go back to that because with the yeah. format of these games, it would be very tedious to have to try to find the correct spot to climb. Yeah. So it, I just, uh, yeah, I want like a denser areas with like more buildings and the ability to like actually have to like stealth around and do like nobody wants to do like the tailing missions because those are bad, but like blend into crowds more and actually feel like I have to assassinate a person instead of running into a base and just like doing, you know, uh, sword swings over and over until I kill some people, and then, and that's like a huge part of this game is just doing the, like, I, that, I can't even remember what they're like the con. I think they're conquests. You do like yeah. military battles. Yeah. I would, and it's so, like, eh. I would maybe recommend bumping the difficulty up if you haven't tried that. Um, if only because I know for me playing Origins, I played like an hour of it and did one of the camps, and I. Fucked up my stealth, 
had someone see me on the normal difficulty. There were other people like 25 feet away. I killed the person that saw me in loudly, like in, in combat. And then mm-hmm. I snuck up behind the other two and assassinated them. And I was like, that was really, really easy for me to do. So I tried bumping it up to hard. And then all of a sudden it's still pretty, it's like I've died like once on hard. So I'm not saying that hard is like super, super challenging, but it at least feels a little bit more like you have to think when you're fighting, it's not quite, mm-hmm. you can't just like mash the attack. Like you can on normal. Um, it's much more like, well, if you don't block, you're going to get killed. Um, and so that, that improved the experience for me a little bit. Um, but I know also that might make it more tedious if you're trying to like burn through tons of the conquest scenarios. I'm, I, you have to for like the story stuff, but I'm just enjoying like getting back into it. I played like four hours a year and a half, two years ago. When, uh, when was, when did it come out? The year, the year they were beta doing the beta for Stadia. That's when mm-hmm. I did it. So yeah. I guess like a year and a half ago. And then I didn't touch it again until like two days ago. Yeah. And I'm, so I'm getting back into it cause I didn't restart. I just like started my save. I'm like, okay, how do I play this game again? And I'm like, it's challenging to figure out like, okay, I've got all these abilities. Which ones do I actually want? How do I, how do I do stealth again? Is, is there even a point? But I'm enjoying the world a whole lot. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Like Greece is like beautiful in this game. And now I'm like looking at like, okay, how much would it cost to do like a <laughs> chartered trip around the, like the Mediterranean on like boat? That'd be real great. Yeah, but it is expensive. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but you know someday maybe it's really interesting Um, because like assassin's creed 2 and brotherhood are what drove me to like take a gap year and go to uh, venice and rome and other mm -hmm. parts of europe so yeah i i really want to go to greece someday but it it, i i i man this is making me want to play or uh odyssey again too because i it's even though the the formula is different and there are certain elements where i'm like you know, I'm I'm never gonna go to Assassin's Creed for the combat, but uh, that's it's I still it's it's just fun to be in that kind of atmosphere in that world. So I kind of want to go. I want to go back and play it now. Yeah, and and I think one thing that's nice for these times is you can get these games pretty affordably. And like I got Odyssey, the ultimate pack for like thirty five dollars on sale a month ago which is not an insignificant amount of money, but at the same time, that's like the pack that has everything in it. And given and the amount probably, of content, that's what I was going to say is it's probably 150 hours of gameplay in that pack. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's it, why they are potentially meaty games. You can play through them in like 30 to 40 hours if you just want to do the story, but they are potentially very, very uh, thick with two C's games. If you want to really get <laughs> time out of them. That, but, I'm also lucky in that I got the because I played on the Stadia beta. I got the like XP XP multiplier, which is nice because you get like 50 percent bonus XP. Yeah, that was a weird thing. A lot of grinding. Yeah, Yeah. it was a weird thing built into Odyssey specifically, I think. Sorry, Alex, what were you going to say? Well, I was going to say the hashtag thickness from it seems to come from how it was kind of inspired by Witcher 3 in some ways. Which, at least from the outside looking in, it seems as though it ha- it is. I don't know if that's actually true. It's less like, true than the world makes it seem, but still, uh, I think that was their inspiration. Yeah, right. like, 
it's it's a big open world with where you talk to people and get quests and you have some side quests and there's yellow text in the text in the dialogue trees. Sure. I think the <laughs> for the combat I think they looked a lot to Souls games. It's way simpler than Souls games, so I'm not saying that it's yeah. like like Souls games, but I think that's kind of what they based on the control scheme, I think that's a lot of where they came at the combat from. Um it's not nearly as good as in Souls games, of course, but uh, and then, yes, there is there are elements of the Witcher with the way it is structured. But sort of to your point, Andre, I think like there's not a lot of different ways to do a big third person open world RPG. Um, so I think any game that does that is going to bear some resemblance to the Witcher three because it was sort of the one that did a lot of that stuff first this generation. Um, and I think I would actually compare Assassin's Creed more to or Origins, at least more to an MMO than to The Witcher almost because it yeah. it has that that feeling of the I mean, the combat is better than in most MMOs that I've played, but um, it, it definitely has that feeling of like you're riding around and then you see someone that has a quest on your map and then you go get that quest and then the quest is like go off and I need you to recover this thing from this tomb. And then you go to the tomb and you fight some bandits and get oh, the thing. No. Um, that made me significantly find, less interested. <laughs> you find, or in Odyssey, you go and you're like, Hey old lady, what's up? And she's like, well, the Oracle told me to stay young. I have to like rekindle the, like the young spirit within myself. And so I need you to go get, uh, some bear scrotum and deer tongue so I can make it an elixir for my husband so All he right. can fuck me better. All right, I'm back in. <laughs> so, and I, you and can I, flirt with the old lady yeah. uh, regardless of their gender or regardless of your character's gender. And it's so, boy, to, to, not that I, I, I don't think you would necessarily like these games that much, Alex, but I will say, I don't think you have to play them at all. Like you play an MMO, like, you're not going into town necessarily picking up 10 quests and then going out and doing them all and then coming back. Yeah. You, you kind of can do that, but it is much more like, um, you, you're, you're, you're getting a quest and you're doing it and it's not like kill 10 boars or anything. Um, and I think you can totally bandits. You can, you can not engage with that stuff and just focus on playing the main story stuff if you want to. And then it feels more like a, narrative RPG, I think. But I guess what I'm getting at is as much as I like origins and I think, and I'm excited for Valhalla because I like this formula a lot. It, the, the thing with the Witcher is like every side quest practically is like you, you're getting some rich story about a person or a town or like the history of a ruin or something like that. Like the, the Witcher three is a very high bar um, in my opinion anyway. And so I think, yes, there's structural comparisons that you can make, but I haven't seen anything in. That's not true. The the opening narrative beats of Origins are really fucking good and and definitely on par with some of the stuff that's present in The Witcher. But on the whole, I don't think that it's necessarily like on that level of quality from a from a writing and narrative perspective. Sure. Uh, Sure. So I will say the opening of origins is one of the roughest things I have seen in a video game and provides motivation for that character beyond anything I've encountered in a Ubisoft style game before, at least Uh, 
it is, it is really, really intense. And actually like if you have kids, uh, worth a content warning, I think in the, in the sense that I almost think they should have put one on the beginning of that game. Uh, cause Holy shit, it's rough. Yeah. They, they really went for it at the, uh, but with the beginning of origins, uh, it's well done think, too. So I think it's, yeah. it's, it's good, but it's, yeah. One of my friends who yeah. has kids had started playing it and I was like, Hey, you need to know <laughs> this is a thing that happens very early in this game and it's hard to watch. Yeah. Uh, but I think I don't, I can't remember. I, I remember having problems with the way they handled some of like the freedom they give you with like, in terms of choices uh, in origins and Odyssey has a similar problem where I'm just like, I don't know how I feel about all these choices I'm making. And you're playing as a mercenary in Odyssey and you can play both sides of a conflict of the war between the Athenians and the Spartans. It's yeah, the Peloponnesian. And war. there's, like, the and there's no, there's no reason. Like you can basically your choices can be, I want to play this side because they're going to attack in like the conquest or whatever. And I'll get more rewards or I can play the other side and I can defend it and it'll be easier. And maybe the story stuff gets more interesting as you do that. But it is a little a bit of a letdown that the story choices seem so shallow. Yeah, I think that's much that's that I think that's kind of a. You know, it gets to that like it's not the Witcher like that. That's yeah. that's that's the thing is it's not like. When you make choices in The Witcher, you know, The Witcher is a kind of game that for me, when I played The Witcher 3, I had to put the controller down and like stare at a dialogue option for five minutes before I could make a decision as to what I was going to say. This is not that kind of game. <laughs> it's it's no, pretty it's pretty not. shallow in that in that respect. But it and and, and I will just say it feels so like old fashioned uh, with the the way it does that stuff. I enjoy the lore stuff out of the animus from the perspective of I'm one of the weirdos that thinks that that stuff is really entertaining, even if I don't think it's particularly good. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. The writing for the character that you play as out of the animus and origins is not good. Like aggressively, not good. Like she's, she's like rad. I'm hella stoked to be here in this cave. And you're just like, I'm back. Oh no. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> sounds like, perfect i'm a they abstergo knows that i'm a rebel i have always been one and i always will be and it's like Ooh, boy Hell uh, yeah. there's very good representation happening here but at the same time and you're it's clearly a talented voice actress but the script they gave you is not good <laughs> so well, i i would say that yeah. that some of that stuff in general i think these games are like really interesting diverse open worlds in terms of the environments they portray and they're very pretty and they're fun to move through. And I think the combat is fun enough that it's, it's like enjoyable to play through them. Um, so I don't think it's like a huge condemnation that some of the writing and story stuff is not the best. No, definitely. But it, it is just when people compare it to the Witcher, I'm like, there's yes. <laughs> I'm the sa- Yeah. I have the same, <laughs> Like we had a conversation because <laughs> Sam was playing a little bit of it and we had a conversation where he was kind of talking about how like, well, it's just the Witcher, but in Greece. And I'm just like, it's missing the core parts of the Witcher that yeah. make the Witcher the Witcher, though. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
Um, but, yeah. but I think on a surface level, if you haven't sat with the characters in the Witcher for the amount of time that, that, that I have, at least I, I think yeah. that maybe it's easier on the surface to see it as the Witcher, but in Greece. So yeah. sure. Yeah. Again, that's outside looking in, but right. I'm sure when the moment to moment must be much different. Right. I will say, I think the combat in, 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 in origins and odyssey is as good as it is in the Witcher. I, I mean, the Witcher has pretty boring combat in my opinion. I, I don't, uh, I, I don't know if I can block Perry. I, I haven't figured out if there's a button for that. I there definitely dodge. isn't in, in origins. It's left bumper. You, you, you block and parry with left bumper. Um, that pulls up my, um, my like combat skills. And I've got like a charge thing and like my Leonidas spear. And huh. then like, a kick. I would hope you can block. Uh, maybe the combat changed a lot in odyssey in origins. Like, I, would I say- can, if I hit square on the PlayStation controller. I dodge, and then if I dodge at the right time, I get like slow down, and I can be like, but no block. But maybe I forgot in the year and a half since I played it. It's also just possible the combat changed from Origins to Odyssey yes. in a way that I didn't uh, recognize or didn't know about. Um, in Origins, I would say the combat is pretty. Um, it gets pretty like, okay, there's three guys. I got to make sure I'm blocking the right one, and then dodging and if i use a spear i have a sweeping attack i can hit more of them but it won't do as much damage versus yeah. if i switch to my sword i can kill one faster um so i think the combat's pretty decent in or in in origins compared to something like the witcher because sure I, that's probably the weakest part of the witcher 3 well uh i think that'll do it for our assassin's creed discussion yeah but you've got some more games, Pat. Yeah, my other ones are fairly quick. I haven't spent a time, a ton of time with one of them, and the other one I just wanted to mention something silly. So um, I'll get out of the way. I've been playing some Total War Warhammer 2. Um, that's a game I played tons and tons of Shogun Total War and the Medieval Total War games and the Rome Total War games. Um, so I have a lot of background in Total War. I didn't play that much Empire or Napoleon. Um, but... Um, and I have a background in liking Warhammer, um, but I've total war Warhammer has always kind of been a thing that I want to play and like way more than I do, or I want to play more than I do. I like it a lot, um, but it's so complicated because you're taking an already complex war game in total war and then adding like, by the way, this race has a, or this faction has like a Phoenix and this faction has like, play ghouls that do this effect. So it, it's a pretty, it can be kind of daunting. Um, but I'm, I'm finally at a point now where I have all the basic mechanics. They also totally changed the way the whole game is structured with the first total war Warhammer. Um, and so there was a lot of relearning to be done. Um, but I finally have all those basic changes to the mechanics. So second nature at this point, after dozens of hours with the two games that I'm, um, I'm feeling comfortable with it. So like, uh, I'll run through this quickly, but basically like the structure of those games in terms of how you pick a, a faction is there are different factions. So in total or Warhammer, it's like you have dwarves and you have elves and you have uh, humans and you have um, vampire courts or whatever. There's all these different factions within each faction. There are several legendary Lords is what they're called. Each of then there's dozens of them. Each of them has a different sort of they have the same basic units as other legendary lords in their faction, but they all play differently. They all have different strategies. They this this character might 
focus on court intrigue. This person, this character might be have um, campaign movement bonuses and have the ability to teleport across the map or something like they, they're pretty significant differences to more than just numbers. So that's where a lot of their DLC is positioned is to introduce more of these legendary Lords mm. with a couple of bigger factional um, packs. So they have a new DLC coming out called um, the uh, the Lord and the the character in it that's funny is Grom the Paunch. It's called the Warden and the Paunch is the DLC. Grom the Paunch is a like ogre and he's an orc lord and his mechanic to give you an idea of how wild this game is getting with the stuff they're adding is that he has a cauldron and as you fight battles, you have a unique interface to this character where you put different pieces of meat and other stuff in the cauldron and then he eats it. And over the course of the campaign, it alters his abilities and skills. So if he eats certain things, he becomes more powerful, a more powerful magic user. If he eats other things, he can become more powerful in other ways, maybe better leadership stuff, maybe better attack abilities. <laughs> and there's like cooking recipes and stuff to that you have to discover and learn to give him the proper food. <laughs> That's weird. Yeah. That sounds it's very so mechanical. Strange. <laughs> it is. It's so strange. It's like there's nothing else in the entire game that functions like that. <laughs> there's not this this has never been a thing before. So I don't know. Those that game is very cool. If you're into really, really complex strategy games, I think it's totally worth a look. And I would say, um, they since the last time that I had had really dug into it, they have this really neat thing called uh, quest battles now, where if you don't want to start with a campaign, you can actually play individual sort of preset battles with a little bit of narrative setup um, for each of the legendary lords has at least like one. And so there's, I don't know, a hundred of them or so that you can play through and uh, and it gives you sort of an overview of different factions, units and and against and abilities before you commit to playing one for a campaign. So recommend total war warhammer two. I'm excited to see what happens with the third one. Cause it's supposed to be a trilogy. So there's one more coming. So um, one thing about older total war games that I remember is that there's a family tree. Does that exist in warhammer two? No, because this time scale is different. Okay. Um, it, it's it, things like medieval total war, for example, it was core to that because there's a little bit of crusader Kings in there of, you have you're operating over the course of like a couple hundred years in a campaign. Yeah. So people are going to live and die in, in total war Warhammer. I don't even know if the time scale is defined in terms of how long a turn is, but it's definitely not you're, you're dealing because you're dealing with characters who are um, major figures in Warhammer lore. So like Malekith is the leader of the dark elves and if you choose to play as Malekith, you're going to have Malekith for your whole campaign. Um, and that's just the way that it, it works. So um, it doesn't have the same like family tree dynasty stuff. And like I said, they changed so much of the structure of how the game works. Like it's all region based now where there's a capital. This is true of three kingdoms also. Um, and it's very cool. There's like a capital and then there'll be supporting settlements and like to unify a region means that you get better resources and stuff from the region and construction is tied to the different settlements in different parts of the region. Um, 
So like the campaign whole campaign system in general is vastly different than the way it worked in the older total war games. Um, cool. But for all I know, there might be a legendary Lord in the game that does operate with some sort of family tree style mechanic, because like I said, there's, there's bespoke mechanics for like tons of these different Lords. Sometimes it's as simple as like, Oh, they have a, this, this one rides a Griffin. This one rides a dragon. But then sometimes it's as complex as this one has an entire cooking mechanic that no other character in the game interacts with. Yeah. That's so neat though. Cool. yeah, it's, it's cool. Yeah. I think it's worth it. I will say the, the, they did a great job of, of you better keep up with this DLC because like if you own total war, Warhammer one and two, you can play with both of them combined on this enormous world map that has all the races from both games in it and all the DLC from both games in it. And if you were to purchase all of the the games and all their DLC at their like store price, you're looking at like three or four hundred dollars, I think. Jeez. Um, because huh. like, uh, no, between two hundred and three hundred, but still, it's a lot. Like, there's um one, two, three, four, five, nine dollar DLC packs for Total War Warhammer Two, and then two twenty dollar expansions. Oh, geez. yeah. Um, and then there's all that kind of stuff for the first Total War Warhammer. So I don't know. It's kind of hard to. Well, there will be a Steam sale coming up soon. That's how I recommend people get into it if they're interested in it. But I will also say you don't need to buy. Yeah, it looks like there is $75 of DLC for the first one. You don't really need to. I would say if you have an interest in it, just get the base Total War Warhammer 2. There's plenty of game there. And then you can kind of add stuff in as you want to. Um, I think that the base, you shouldn't start by playing the big, huge campaign that includes everything. And Total War Warhammer 2's campaign is a lot better than the first games. Uh, so, um, yeah, it's not like it's super hard to to get into from a pick, purchase standpoint. But just know there's a lot of, it's not quite train simulators, but it, there's a lot of <laughs> extra characters and factions and stuff you can buy. Um, so that's that. The other thing I've been touching on, I played very little of. Uh, how many people in this call are fans of Human Head? Uh, I like my Human Head. Elaborate. Who played, shoulders. Who here's played Prey? Hell yeah! Like you mean the one from like two thousand? Oh, yeah, the arcane game. I yeah. mean the original two thousand seven. Yeah. Um, I don't. I don't know what you're talking about. Native talking American get tiny and go in a jukebox. With, gets abducted. With Tommy. Yes. Yeah. That game was okay. Yeah. It was interesting. They also Did made some cool ideas. Brink and Defiance. Did they make Brink? Yeah, okay, so. they did. Because I, I was I was I always think of Brink as a splash damage thing. Oh, I just looked it um, up. They also made the Quiet Man. Oh yeah. Did oh. they make they made the Quiet Oh, I yeah, forgot that was, about that. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot they were the ones who made that. <laughs> Oh, that makes me even more excited about the thing that I'm playing right now. So I totally forgot about the Quiet Man. That game is so amazing. If you oh have, man! If you remember when the Quiet Man came out? Oh, wow! If you if you haven't been paying attention to um, the Epic Store, there's a there's one. I think an interesting Jeff Grubb uh, from Venture Beat was tweeting about this. Uh, I think it was Jeff Grubb. Maybe not. But he no, 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 it wasn't Jeff. It was, <laughs> I think does. it was, it was, it was Anton Hand, developer of, of uh, hot dogs, horseshoes and hand grenades was talking about this. I think that's who it was that the Epic game store is such an interesting place because there's tons of like double A tier games there 
that you would have never heard of, that you would have no idea existed. They don't mm-hmm. get any kind of marketing push. There's like a lot of them. Like, did you know that the, the new Soren Johnson game is now out on the Epic Game Store? Who? Soren Johnson is the lead designer on Civilization 4, mm-hmm. which is oh. like one of the best strategy games of all time. Uh, Preach. <laughs> and uh, his new game's on the Epic Game Store. You can buy it right now and play it if you want to. I've heard it's pretty What's good. It called? It's called Old World. Um, it's technically in early access, but, uh, you know. What's, is the Amazon game New World? Yes. Well, I know what I'm going to play. I'm going to play the New World, not the Old World. <laughs> I guarantee you New it's World is a better game. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, there's just stuff like there's this, like, Before We Leave game that's a really cool looking game about settling on other planets. Industries of Titan came out there. Um, which is a game that's a lot been of games kind of about building uh, totally lots of like <laughs> stru- of, of stuff where you games where you build things. Um, Anno uh, heavily featured and Anno is a new is at least a Ubisoft game that yeah. has some some lineage. But like, oh, there's this yes. game called Surviving the Aftermath that looks great. That is like a colony builder in um, in a post apocalypse uh, that's a little friendlier than Frostpunk. Um so there's all these games coming out. So one of the, the on the Epic Game Store that are like double A kind of B gamey things that are very interesting. Um, one of the games that came out there is a game called Rune 2. Has anyone played the original Rune? It is not a good video game. I honestly well, don't I'm even know what it is. I, I, saw it, I saw it on our list. and I was like, huh? Rune originally was a very rough i don't know i guess it was no no it had bad it got bad reviews um a very rough human head action game that came out in 2000 um and you like played as a viking and um that you fought between like there was it was about the war between odin and loki and stuff and it wasn't very good. And Rune 2 is also not very good. Um, <laughs> Keeping up that old Rune legacy. But it's such an interesting thing, and I'm so glad that I spent $10 on it. So you, I got it because if you, if you, you they're basically showering you with $10 coupons on Epic. Yeah. After buying it, I looked and I had gotten another $10 coupon. So you basically get a $10 coupon for redeeming GTA 5, and then another $10 coupon every time you buy something. Cool. So, and so like... <laughs> It's basically like you get $10 off every purchase and it's Epic's way. I believe the way they're doing it is it's their way of tracking what hit they're taking and what hit developers are taking. Like they're, they're not taking money. When you apply that coupon, Epic takes the margin hit. They don't actually like make the developer pay any amount. That's my understanding. Anyway, that's how they've always done these sales in the past. So that's part of why they have this weird, like get a $10 coupon every time you buy something. So I use it to buy a rune Two, which is already on sale for 20 bucks. And then I use the coupon on it. And part of the reason is because I'm just so curious to follow that thing's remaining lifespan because it actually sells itself as something that I would love there to be more of, which is sort of Assassin's Creed is another one of these kind of, but like make destiny, but with swords instead of guns. That's kind of a thing that I'm into right now. The idea of that is make, make a servicey game where you can play, and this is what Assassin's Creed is missing, play at multiplayer co-op with friends, and but you're like swinging swords instead of shooting guns. I think that's very fun. I'm excited for that Gearbox Godfall game that's coming out on 
next gen systems and PC later this year. Cause it seems to be doing the same thing, even though it looks super generic. Um, and that's sort of what rune two sells itself as is like a looter slasher. They use that language on the store page. Um, and human head made that game and then shut down <laughs> <laughs> like that's their last game. They released it and it to oh. incredible and like incredible silence. No one talked about it, but then also it, the few reviews that it got were like four out of 10. Uh, and um, then they closed up shop. And uh, as far as I know, most of their team ended up getting hired by Bethesda into a new studio, which we'll see how that goes. Um, obviously pray to yeah obviously i don't want to see anybody lose their job but i i wouldn't say that human head is necessarily who i would call a skilled developer who i'm excited to see their next project i i mean uh, i don't know quiet man too gotta <laughs> but what's in the, the if that were the end of the story i wouldn't be very interested in rune 2 if it was just like yeah they made a shitty game and then closed up shop but the publisher of Rune 2, I think the they don't even have a Wikipedia page. I'm pretty sure it was just some people who said, fuck, yeah, I want to I want to play Rune 2 and then gave Human Head money to make it because they're called Ragnarok Game LLC. Yeah. And Ragn like the Rune 2 is about is again about Norse mythology. So like I, I think they just formed this publisher just to publish Rune 2. And then there was another development team that did some contract work on it. So basically this Ragnarok game publisher won't let Rune to the idea die. And they put out five days ago a massive overhauled update that like called the Lazarus update that like does a ton of stuff to overhaul the game. And I would say at this point that I find the game pretty charming, even though it's not good. So it must have been really bad when <laughs> it initially came out. But like, it's a lot of like minor tweaks, but then also things like in this patch notice stuff like parrying system implemented, which for a game about melee combat, reasonably important system feature to have that you can parry things. Um, things like dodge rolling weren't in the game originally and now are. Uh, and it's a weird video game because it's so janky, but it has some charm and it's like very dumb. Have any of you played the Gothic games at all? No, no, no. Okay. It has some like, it's reminding me of those games a little bit. Um, Gothic is made by a studio that went on to make stuff like risen and Elix. It's this sort of like, it's in this tradition of very ambitious RPGs that are too are not playing it safe at all. And I find that appealing because they're missing the mark on a lot of stuff, but also they're trying a lot of interesting things that bigger, more polished RPGs just kind of shy away from. And I think that's really interesting. Like this game has a structure where it's time limited, basically in that the game goes on a cycle and eventually you just, run out of time and you have to fight Loki and then he just then you fucking die like Wario because Loki mm-hmm. kills you because you can't beat him because he's way too powerful and then you have to start the cycle over again and your character is retains all their stats and gear and stuff but you have to kind of like go back to square one in terms of exploring the world and stuff in a almost roguelike 
manner. Um, so like little things like that. And um, there's this really in-depth crafting system that has like, talk about single player MMO has like hundreds of different pieces of gear you can craft. Uh, there's a whole like settlement building mechanic where you're going around cutting down trees like it's Minecraft and then like putting the materials into buildings and then they build settlements. I guess in the original game, there were no NPCs anywhere. You would build these settlements. They were just empty. And now one of the things they implemented is NPCs that give you quests, uh, which another seems like another major feature. So I don't know. The NPCs are here. Exactly. Yeah. The NPCs are here in rune too. Um, it's a, it's a weird game and I'm really kind of excited to see how far they're able to like what they're able to bolt onto it to make it better. Um, and they seem to be kind of off to a good start, but it has, it's just stuff like the tutorial directs you to summon this boss and I summoned the boss and then the boss spawned and like killed me immediately. And the tutorial's not like, well, you died now. So now you have to go back. It's just like, the tutorial is not going to advance until you kill the boss. So you could just got to basically run up to him, hit him four or five times until he kills you and then respawn. And his health doesn't respawn. His health doesn't go back up. So you just keep dying and going to fight him and kill him over and over again. <laughs> and you spawn like 40 feet away. It's just a it's it's weird in that way. And kind of endearing. I don't know. I, I'm 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 interested to see what they continue to try to do with it. It actually looks fine for being as janky as it is. You slide around a lot when you in the movement, but the environments look like, you know, pretty cool Norse fantasy setting environments. Uh, and so if you if you two are curious to see what Human Head did for their last game as a studio and the weird attempts to revitalize it by this oddly passionate publisher, you can get Rune 2 for like $10 <laughs> at the game store. <laughs> fascinating it is to me nobody is nobody's talking about it at all i haven't heard the only person i heard talk about it was brad shoemaker for like two minutes on a bomb cast as soon as it came out and then i it just like faded into oblivion uh so i wonder Maybe if for this, good reason yeah for good reason but i still think this that the, the, the whole thing is interesting um yeah it's well, also when did it originally come out november i think last year okay uh and and I will say too that there this whole saga is very interesting if you're into like industry stuff because like after Human Head closed, I guess Ragnarok was like, okay, you know, they didn't know that Human Head was closing, the publisher of the game. Like they had a content roadmap laid out with them and then just the on the news they saw that Human Head had closed and they were like, uh, what? And then I guess when they tried to contact Human Head, they wouldn't provide assets that at this point were Ragnaroks because they were the ones maintaining the game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so they had to sue human head to get them to release the game assets for them to keep working on it and stuff. It's wild. It's a whole, it's a wild thing. Uh, wow. Very interesting. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, that is rune two and total war and a bunch of assassins Creed, XCOM chimera squad and legend of the galactic heroes and Shira. But now, it's time to get down to the news. How's that sound? Cool. This week, we, there, there cool. is a lot of news. <laughs> this podcast but, isn't going to age well. 
What? Why? Oh, uh, 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 Jeff Keeley. Jeff Keeley, uh, Jeff Keeley uh, out here showing his whole ass. It's <laughs> like both cheeks spread oh. wide after he, during Jeff Keeley's Summer Game Fest or Jeff Grubb's Summer Game Mess, we got the Unreal Engine 5 demo unveiling. Uh, on PS5, uh, in case you were wondering, this, co- this couldn't run on an Xbox Series X. <laughs> not at all. It's completely impossible. Only on the PS5 could you get 18 trillion triangles on trillion. screen one time. Uh, yeah. Yeah, they, they the- showed a, they showed, quote unquote, gameplay of a, <laughs> of a uh-huh. thing in the kind of the Sony house style third person uh you're a lady walking through some caves and it the the environments looked real sharp absolutely yeah there there are aspects of the tech demo that alex can speak alex can speak to you more than me but they were very very impressive no doubt like it's super cool uh Uh, yeah uh, so uh, we should talk about that stuff and then we can talk about jeff keely's whole ass Uh, yeah i don't have a ton of opinions about jeff keely's whole ass but i do have opinions about like there's the cool tech stuff and then there's the what does this mean practically thing too. Yeah. I think there is a lot that it will mean practically cuz like oh it, yeah like the from a pipeline perspective. But like uh yeah, that but also like that presentation was kind of similar to the Sony one, very developer focused. Like mm-hmm. I, I think it's kind of the same trap we fell into with the Sony one where everyone's like, Oh, this is a GDC talk. I'm going to fall yeah. asleep in the chat. And this is exactly the same thing where this is basically a GDC talk. Uh, but like but it's, people lost their minds over it, which is interesting. Yeah. The contrast there is, is yeah. Yeah. Well, it's it's weird. There was, there was like a thing you could see like, Oh, I could imagine playing. Yeah, this. I feel like it's like when you see that you go, okay, I understand. It's more understandable. Whereas the, PS5 was very, very technical. Like, yeah. like watch it. Like, I might not necessarily understand all of the technical stuff from this Unreal Engine uh, thing, but you can see the graphics and go, "Oh, it looked pretty." Yeah, <laughs> which, which, yeah. which is the easiest way to convey something, right? Like, if you show right. a moving yeah. image that looks better than previous moving images you've seen, that's a very easy point of comparison. Uh, Maybe if Mark Cerny had had scanned my ear before yeah. the presentation and got to and I got to hear the audio that was going to be played for just my ear during that presentation, I would have been more. Yeah, yeah. and then you would have done so without load times. That would have been. <laughs> yes, exactly. But, but like, yeah, Andre, you're right with the pipeline thing because like, um, some of the stuff that takes up most of a developer's time, especially a graphics programmer, is doing meshes and texture maps and light maps and stuff like that. Which basically, because you'll have some model, like they used a statue in the case of this, uh, which yeah. they had a film quality statue, which has like a billion polygons or whatever, like not actually a billion, but you know, a huge number. And that's actually what you do when you're making games: is you start with a really high poly count model, and then you scale it down. Uh, yeah. And like sometimes you make it just really, really flat, and then what you're doing is applying texture maps to that, so it looks like it has depth and it looks like it has detail. Uh, so you're basically faking it. You're basically putting a layer of paint over this kind of lowly, like low poly thing yeah. that looks similar to the thing you want. And then like you yeah, get it's in- like in 
I was going to say it's like in uh, Animal Crossing where you put you make mushrooms on the ground by making a flat texture, but then you put in like uh, shadows and shit to make it look three D. You make the mushrooms same thing. You make the mushrooms by peeing. Uh, no, that's a different game. Lame. Um, but like w- all, mush- all mushrooms come from pee. Mm. Mm. Interesting. Mm. Think about that. <laughs> I had mushrooms for dinner tonight. Thank you very much. I Someone will beat on them yes. at some point. <laughs> I'm sure you washed them. Um, it's fine. Someone peed. I mean, it might have been a squirrel. Could have been a bird. Somebody peed on those mushrooms. <laughs> um, speaking of pee, um, like with the scaling down, another thing that developers do is level of detail LODs, which is like, um, let's say we have a model of Andre, which up, up close, Andre looks real good. And then, I mean, that's just true in general. And then, like, if we get 400 meters away from Andre, why would we use the same model of Andre? Like, if he's mm-hmm. using 4 million polygons, uh, we don't need that level of detail. So we have another model of Andre that's much lower quality that we can render at far distances that you don't care about the quality. Um, so what they're saying is you don't need to do that work anymore. Like, you can just have the same model and it'll dynamically scale and it will... Uh, the lighting will be baked in. You don't have to do any uh, lighting renders, meta, like map renders and stuff like that. Like it will, which I imagine would streamline things quite a bit. Very much so, because if you ever like, what was the game? I think Pat, you brought it up in our chat where, uh, oh, or I no, it was, it was Destiny. Destiny too. Yeah, Destiny, where they if they change one Very thing, possible. they have to re-render the whole game for all the light maps, and it can take like days. Or- or at least they like if they change this thing in a level, they have to like re-render that whole open world zone, totally. and that can take like twenty four hours. Yeah, which is nuts. Is what they, we used mm-hmm. to be. But, I, supposedly they improved their tools, but still, that's like in bonkers. Bear in mind that's Bungie. That's one of the biggest companies in the world, and they still had to deal with those pipeline issues. Like they're well, they were at Activision, and they were. But they, I think they built their own like tools and stuff. Right. And but yeah. but I'm I'm saying like that's a huge company. Like it's it's a company that's been around the block for like you know many years. Yeah. So like they are optimized in some ways, and like they still have to hit their heads against that kind of stuff because it's just the way computers yeah. work, and that's the way uh, we have to render things. But the the thing that people are saying about UE five that makes it like such a sea changing kind of moment is. Those things are no longer relevant, and it totally changes the pipeline. And it means even small devs can now like not have to worry about that burden, that overhead. Uh, yeah. So like now the overhead comes from the assets you generate, not how you do lighting on them, and not how you do texture maps and meshes, etc. So it's yeah. it it is really good. Um, I think the last section with whatever the lady's name is flying through the world was. If that's real time and wasn't scripted, and it is actually demonstrating what they were talking about, that's maybe the most impressive thing I've ever seen in a game in a game engine. Uh, mm-hmm. It's provided that it was rendered in real time and not scripted. But yeah, yeah. it is is a fascinating demo. Uh, it was, I think, so the one of the big things I took away is like, okay, this is releasing next year. It's it's like in beta now or whatever. Yeah. It's releasing next year, which means we're not going to see games in this for like four, four years probably at least. Yeah. Um, like we're not going to well, see like triple A games that are this quality in like the thing, three to four years the probably. The thing they said that makes me a little more hopeful that maybe we could see it within a year or two of the release is that they said everything from three, or sorry, four to five, like Unreal Engine 4, 
mm-hmm. is forward right. compatible yeah. into five without mm. much, many changes. So uh, they that should then that's still stuff built in four that like can use some of the stuff from five, but I don't know if like. It, it remains to be seen what right. something built in four ported to five actually ends up looking like. Right. Yeah, and that, if there's a difference yeah. between something ported from four to five versus something developed entirely in five. Yeah, I would hope that if there that, would be any difference. Yeah, I would hope it wouldn't require a whole refactor, but like it's either way, it's pretty intriguing. I'm I'm definitely interested yeah. in seeing what comes of it. Yeah, um, but that kind of comes into what I was saying about Keeley showing his whole ass because. <laughs> Like, oh, who was the writer? Someone at IGN wrote a piece saying you should temper your expectations about the launch games, like about launch game, about graphical yeah. fidelity right. in particular. Just like, hey, it, temper your expectations yeah. for launch games. The whole uh, the whole point and tone of the article is, and I'm actually someone who generally I don't I don't super love a lot of IGN's writing and reporting, but the tone of the article was like, hey, when they show Horizon Zero Dawn 2 or whatever the thing that Sony has, they didn't name any names in the article, but yeah. whatever these these developers have, when you see gameplay, you might go, that's next gen in a sen- in a way that you kind of haven't in the past because yeah. of just the, the, the sort of leaps that have occurred in the last couple generations. And that was all that the article was talking about. It's like, yeah. Hey, it's hard for yeah, it's less developers visible. to get the most. Yeah. yeah. And for developers to get the most out of this hardware, the first during the first like iteration of games for it. Uh, that's kind of all it was saying. Yeah. yeah. And it, it's Keely. Oh, sorry. Yeah. One thing, uh, the article is called, you may need to lower your expectations for next gen graphics written by Tom Marks on IGN. Um, yeah. But I think that's also echoing something we've been talking about for months. And that mm-hmm. is the yeah. fact that like um, the step between the current PS4 X bone generation and the next one is fairly iterative, um, especially with visuals. Cause our biggest, uh, bottleneck, I guess, is asset generation. Like, obviously, mm-hmm, the stuff yeah. we just talked about with the rendering and the pipelines and all that, it takes time, et cetera. But, like, ultimately, it comes down to how, like, we can render stuff pretty nice now. We can make shit look yeah. real good if we want to. Right. Uh, it's just, do people have the ability to do that? And, right. So that means visuals are largely going to be probably pretty similar between these two gens. And at least, at least for the first like year, this first round of stuff, yeah, and and very sure. much that article isn't necessarily talking about like the tech. They touch on that, but it's as much talking about the resources that developers have and the time that they have had with these with these new systems yeah. and the fact that you know, yeah. totally. There's that. Naughty Dog is working on. I mean, presumably they have multiple teams, so clearly, like, obviously there's probably a team working on a PS5 game, too. But they're also launching a major game this year, so, like, they may not have some mind-blowing demo to show you on PS5 for a new game. Um, Sorry, what were you going to say, Alice? Oh, it just seems like there's absolutely going to be some steps forward with this gen. It's not like there's not, but it's just not something that you're going to, like, if you're just somebody who plays games that aren't thinking about all the technical stuff, you might not necessarily see it as much as you did with other generation leaps. Yeah. And I think like there's other things coming with this generation that make that are both impact visuals, but like things like SSDs and the ability to, you know, load directly into areas. That's cool. And it's going to make, it's going to improve games. I would say that 
Total War Warhammer 2 is not as playable without an SSD because loading into the battles and then loading back to the campaign map is a huge time sink if you have a standard hard drive. But like at the same time, that's very hard to demo for people. Um, and it's stuff that's happening on PC right now. So it's it, it, the even the the line between generations is so blurred because we have things like RTX games on PC and stuff like uh, no. SSDs happening now. So yeah, it's fascinating that they this demo was very much we captured this on a PS5 like PS5 dev kit, but we captured this a PS5 explicitly talking about ps5 and saying oh and other platforms when unreal is mostly pc demo stuff in the past am i right am i wrong uh, i don't know what their demos have run on previously i don't remember either yeah i don't even remember the much of their their previous demos for ue4 i'll tell you if you look at the ue4 elemental demo that was i believe the first one they showed there was that demo was that the one with the brumac I can't I remember. I don't know. It was like a big fiery it's guy. A big, like, fiery guy. The particle yeah, effects. Guy. The, the particle effects in that demo are not things that are happening in most games. <laughs> like the engine is. I, I watched that. that, and I, I watched that, and I went, eh, "Games mostly look better than this." Mostly, but I think it's still. It took. I. I don't think it, it's not like that demo is indicative of the games that came out no. early in the the, the cycle. But also um, it was just like like maybe a real-time render, but it wasn't like a game thing, whereas this demo was actually like, oh, you could, like, this could be a game. Yeah, sure. It, it, it's a tech demo yeah. still, but it's uh, like actually like, okay, we're making but, a thing but you we can also don't know. With. We also don't know practical things like, how big was that demo? Was that a 400 yeah. gigabyte demo? Because you can't, mm. you know, I mean, and it wasn't, that's an exaggeration. Yeah, they, but. they came out later saying that... Um, game size etc is something they're cognizant of and they want to make sure I'm that sure. file sizes are kept as low as possible so i'm sure but but what does that mean i mean like they also talked about wanting to launch the best gaming store in the on available <laughs> and we have the epic game store like yeah they can say true. that all they want and i i do believe that they're serious when they say that that's what they're trying to achieve but you're right but at the same time when you render that demo out like what what does what kind of file size does that have because if that's a practical thing, especially if we're dealing with SSDs that are traditionally more expensive for the amount of space, you know, available on them. So we don't really know what, I don't know if, did Sony talk about the size of their hard drive in that 825 gigabytes? Something like that, yeah. I'm going to guess that if there, if you've got three or four games that look like that, that's all you're fitting on your PS5. So, like, I don't know, maybe that, and maybe that'll be wrong, but I just think there's a lot to talk about in terms of like that. And that demo was very impressive and it's exciting. All the stuff you were saying about pipeline. I think Alex is the stuff that's most exciting to me about it. Um, I don't, I still think that it's funny for, and we're harping on the Keeley part, but I think this is true of, of, of people responding to the demo at large. The takeaway from that demo to me was not, wow, it looks so good. Games are going to look like this. It's more the development pipeline stuff um, that is actually going to have a huge impact on the way that games are made. And and so I think it was for Keely to be like, this article is not going to age well. And then like minutes after the demo to post like, guess it didn't age well. It's yeah. like, I don't know, dude. Uh, he, he was coming <laughs> across a bit shitty, a little tiny bit shitty. 
And then Lucy <laughs> O'Brien from IGN responded and was like, hey, I'm kind of disappointed to see this. This is a pretty well thought out article. And like everything you're saying is addressed in the second yeah. and like third paragraph and, of the article. And then, like, and then he was like, I think this jump is going to be way bigger because of SSDs. And like, you know, we talked about it and Alex, you pointed out like the implications for SSDs in terms of like cache management and 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 potentially having a pretty big impact on the kind of visuals that are possible. Mm-hmm. But if you're just like reading that and and it's it's like if if I show you a car and then. You say, I don't know, whatever. And I'm like, yeah, but the turbo under the hood, it's like that doesn't mean anything to you necessarily. (laughs) So to like put that out as especially if you're just talking about my troll is okay because uh, SSDs. Yeah, especially if you're talking about pure aesthetic, like it's yeah, there's a lot of interesting leaps that this generation is going to be making. But I, I think from what I saw from the article, it's like a lot of people might not be able to discern that. So they should kind of, you know, yeah, I mean, there's people who can't tell the difference between 1080p and 4k, not, not because of some failing on their part, but that's just, they just don't see those differences or they don't see the difference between 30 frames and 60 frames. Yeah, and well, it's like, I think we mentioned this either last week or a couple of weeks ago that we've kind of reached the point of diminishing returns with Moore's law, like which, right. We, yeah. And we got there pretty relatively early. Um, yeah. Like, 8K? Who cares? Uh, like in most people's nobody can afford that. Shit. Yeah, like in most people's living rooms, where they're sitting, let's say six to ten feet away from their TV, maybe closer, maybe a little bit further. But like those kinds of resolution differences don't make them difference. Yes, between SD to HD, there was a big difference going from mm-hmm. your old CRT uh, to a flat screen 1080p screen. Yeah, totally, that was a big difference. But now, Pat, to your point, like 1080p to 4K. It looks nicer, but like yeah, it's it's it's. it's I mean, it's something where I I mean I've considered that because I don't have a four K TV and I'm either. like, and and I'm like, well, it'd be kind of okay, but I don't necessarily want to. It's not a big enough difference that I would go and pay for another TV. Well, it's just like, well, it's like point. it's like how a lot of people didn't pay for three D. It's because the right. companies are trying to find ways because because of that diminishing return that we're hitting. Like they're trying to find new novel ways to get people to buy new devices. Right. And I think like, like I have a 4k TV and, um, like Forza horizon four, it looks great in 4k, but also it runs at 30 frames a second in 4k, which I want it to run at 60 frames a second. And like, there was a story that came out, uh, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, which looks like it'll be a marginal bump to visual fidelity over what's in Odyssey the same way that Odyssey is a marginal bump over what's in Origins. But there was a, a Ubisoft came out and was like, we can guarantee Assassin's Creed Valhalla will run at, at least 30 frames per second on the Xbox Series X. And it's like, okay, wh- what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like, okay, and who's it's, who's bragging about 30 frames per second? Like, that's like, I personally don't need like high frame rates. Like, I'm, I'm okay with having that, but I'm not going to like brag and be like, oh yeah, 30 frames per second. And there's so much to that beyond just that the impact that has on like marketing like there's it's a much more complicated thing than just saying like it's 30 fps that sucks but also when you're talking to consumers who are going to be expected to spend four or five six hundred dollars we don't know yet on these new machines right i don't think you can put that tech demo in front of a lot of you can put it in front of a lot of like people that were watching the stream and it's like, holy shit, PS5 wins, it's over. 
uh, was what was happening yeah, in that chat. So but dumb. if you put that in, which it is, yeah. Um, but if you put that in front of like my dad, he's going to go, wow, that's pretty impressive, but I don't want to spend $500 on it because uh, my Xbox one X does place fours are real nice already. So there was a point, you know, which this is maybe it seems irreverent to reference, but there was a recent girlfriend reviews video. I don't know if you saw it. The one for half-life Alex. Uh, I haven't watched it because I haven't finished Half-Life Alex because I'm terrible and I want to finish it before I, <laughs> I, I don't watch think any there's like spoilers that. in that video, but she makes a point about how like her perspective is she's kind of watching her boyfriend play a lot of these games um, and she's mm-hmm. reviewing it from the perspective of a girlfriend watching a game. Uh, and she made a point like watching Half-Life Alex on a screen. She was like, yeah, this seems fine. It's cool. It's neat. And then she says the experience of putting on the headset and having your hands like because they have the index, they're using the finger controllers, like having that interaction and watching your hand do these things and having an effect in the real world, that tactile kind of interaction is a huge part of what makes VR and stuff so exciting that you don't mm-hmm. get yeah. from watching it. And I think it's going to be the same thing here. Like, Yes. Uh, no. Yeah. It's, totally. It's using it that's going to make it, and it's like, how right. do you convey that to people? <laughs> like, it's so right, hard. Right. Really hard. It's really, yeah. really hard. Yeah. And that's I mean, a challenge that that they're going to have to overcome. And I don't think that the solution is for major games personalities to like <laughs> right. do their cheeky shit on Twitter. To, it's just like, to expose dude, either be part entire... of the solution or shut the fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> or even like stuff with like SSD and load time. Like, yeah, I bet if you like put this in front of people. It's, it's going to make such a big difference. But if you say like to somebody, hey, buy this $500 machine, it'll load things faster is like that's that's not necessarily great marketing. So it's yeah, you yeah. need to find a way to sell these improvements that aren't quite like, you know, when you first go from like the Nintendo 64 to the GameCube, you see, look, looks better. Obviously, totally. like, yeah, it's, it's so much it was so much easier to just sell based off of like even just like still images of like this looks better than this versus you know yeah and i think specifically with load times people keep being like oh yeah load times are better and then there's some people that are like yeah so but it becomes a quality of life thing like the, they yeah. demonstrated it with spider-man which like i don't know what does that have 45 second load time cool. uh sometimes they demonstrated they they showed it behind like closed doors that i don't think yeah. they actually showed it to people but. right but like for the sake of argument we'll use spider-man yeah. or dark souls or whatever stuff that like has significant load times between things like let's say 45 seconds to yeah. maybe even a minute like even god of war had some pretty long yeah. load times at points mm-hmm. that are yeah 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 at points in, like in game like if you die if you die but, like, exactly. in gameplay yeah. it was pretty seamless but, but like Regardless, like games that have long load times, you kind of are, you have that expectation of waiting a minute and you're used to it. But the second you take that away and like you play that for a month, like, uh, like it's not about that first load time that gets shortened. It's about year three because at that point, you've probably saved days of load times. Like, Playing Destiny Two on PlayStation is a fucking nightmare because of the loads. Totally, it just they take so long compared to PC. I'm like, what am I even doing here? Yeah. So like, it's not. Yeah, it's really it's not about the first load time. It's about year one of, you know, having a minute less every time. So right, that and, will, and it's what the most popular games are. Like, I don't know what Madden is like or like FIFA, no but if those <laughs> load times are 
cut in like 90% shorter, then that's that much quicker you're in a game of FIFA, that's that much more time you're spent playing it. Exactly. And, seems like and then you'll go back thing. to your PS4 and be like, oh my God, how did I live with this? Right. <laughs> yeah. It, but yeah, it's like how do you, it's like you can't, you realize like once you have it, you can't go back, but it's like how do you get how do people you demonstrate to make that? that? Yeah. yeah, and how it's, do you how do you not, say hey this is sexy. A, right exactly <laughs> it's like hey hmm is this like a huge uh like this is like going to be a big quality of life improvement but you can't really show that in like a teaser trailer and have people go like oh man those load times are short yeah like, you don't you see know. bros like doing chest bumps and being like fuck yeah those load times and then like <laughs> like whatever they do to smash the beer Although, can on the head. Although I do kind of want that trailer. <laughs> yeah, that'd be pretty cool. I think people just be I like, think, oh, load times. They're I do nothing. think it's like, I think you just convey some of that stuff by showing honest and real gameplay footage with that stuff just sort of happening. And you just, at the end of the day, what a lot of people forget is like, you still got to make a good game right so it doesn't matter what the so i think from the perspective of something like a spider-man 2 when i don't even i don't even think they should say like with the power of an ssd they will they shouldn't because what they should do is just show you teleporting across the map with the or you know fast traveling across the map and they're not being much of a load time that kind of stuff because i think that that's all the sort of thing that is gonna what about spider-man taking the subway (laughs) yeah Yeah, that's Good point. I, I think you have to you have to show like okay here's what it looked like on the PS4 here's like what fast travel was and okay here it is in the yeah you, yeah that's uh, from PS5 the because if you don't show that no one's gonna be like oh my god it loaded so fast yeah. but the problem yeah. the problem is that nobody actually wants to see that either <laughs> like I think it's not I think as a, if you're not as a sell demo. it then and it's just so it's right which gets but I don't know that that sells it I guess I'm, what I'm saying is that I don't think that to 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 people again using my dad as an example I don't think that an SSD in any way shape or form sells it I think we're right you, you like it's correct that it is a game changer it's like huge deal and we know that but it doesn't sell yeah <laughs> that, like faster load times it's, is not a thing you can sell totally and that um, the, thing you can demonstrate it's, hard, it's so but, hard to like kind of say hey buy a 500 box for this like yeah it's i think like oh, pro- sorry go for demonstrating it, it demonstrating it gets to it's kind of like that meme with the guy at the 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 sports game like yelling into the woman's ear about something and or it's at a nightclub or whatever but the like the, the the that's that's what demonstrating kind of ends up being is like you're showing people a thing that they don't it's not going to sell them on it if you show it to them it's just got to become a thing that's that is uh, yeah. uh, improving which, which kind of comes back play to play flow that's kind of what i was getting back to with the vr example is you you have to let people yeah. use it like it's not showing people yeah. it's letting them actually interact with it and experience it and i don't know because i just i don't know how to put that in trailer <laughs> i think there's some games where you know you go oh the load times and people do think of the load times as being a, a problematic thing but i think in a lot of cases we got so used to super long load times at this point that for for most mainstream people who just look down at their phone whilst the game's loading they're not going to, even if you demonstrate it for them, they're just going to be like, cool, I guess. 
Yeah. And then you're going to say, and it's only $500 and they're going to go, nope. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's tough. It's tough. And yeah, we have a console for them. It's called the Xbox. <laughs> well, and the way that they're going to do it is the way that they, uh, have to, that I think sucks. And it's kind of in the more anti-consumer camp where they're going to be like these load times are so good. And also, like if you, you want to play Spider-Man two, you're gonna have to buy it. Where's the beef? <laughs> like you, you don't get to you don't get to do this unless you buy it. Yeah, um, and just sell it because like you have to because that's where the games are. Speaking of um, speaking of buying it, along with that Unreal, the Epic thing, Epic announced that yeah, that, that whole thing is really cool. That, that is developers. Cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so Epic announced that developers using Unreal Engine, Unreal Four. I don't know if this is going to transfer over to Unreal Five, but uh, yeah. developers don't owe them anything until they make over a million dollars in revenue. Which is awesome. So and that means like the license so fee. It's yeah. also retroactive to anything from the start of this year. So yeah, that's yeah, really great. It's great. It makes that before it was like to ten. It's like forty thousand, fifty thousand, somewhere around there. Yeah, something like that. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it, jump. it, it makes unreal clearly the thing for some, for like a budding developer. Yeah. It, it's the one that I would definitely I mean, anything, honestly, first. I'm pro anything that makes things more accessible for more developers to be able to do stuff. So yeah, as much as yeah. we might shit on Epic game store and stuff like that, I think, uh, Epic as like developer relations has been the best. Like between oh, sure. between, yeah, between yeah. the cuts they offer to developers on Epic Game Store and how they treat them with licensing agreements and stuff like that. Yep. Um, as I mean, a, oh, sorry, please go for it, Allison. Oh, the, I mean the exclusives might be annoying, but I mean there have been a lot of developers who have been really significantly helped by yeah, those totally. exclusive deals. Like, oh yeah. I mean it's it's not necessarily like everybody's favorite, but if if they're helping more developers, then I'm personally not too opposed to it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's part of why those double A games I was talking about can exist. Yeah. I think a, probably part of why this company can keep working on Rune 2 is because they probably got a pretty good exclusivity deal that that covered a lot of their their costs of development. Um, and they're not deep in debt because of it yeah. would be my guess. Yeah. Um, so like yeah. as a developer, approaching UE4 is much more daunting than approaching something like Unity. Like just they use C++, which is a more complicated language. Unity uses C Sharp, which is a bit easier and you know easier to parse. And they also have a lot more visual editing stuff. Like UE4 has a thing called Blueprints, which is kind of a visual uh, scripting language, but it's not very intuitive. So, like, yes, there's a barrier of entry or barrier to entry with that stuff, but it seems like it's worth the in, the investment. So, yeah, epic, good. All right. Well, anyways, let's continue. Yeah. I've- <laughs> Yeah, uh, there's a long chat about Epic and Next Gen. Uh, and Jeff Keighley's but last. Before Next Gen hits, yeah, before <laughs> Next Gen hits, we did get Jeff Keighley's whole ass on a skateboard uh, to tell us <laughs> what Tony Hawk's been up to. Was it Jeff Keighley or, or was Zoom, it Zoom? Call. Was it was it Tony Hawk? Didn't didn't he kind of like do it via his texting there, whatever? There. There was something that, that went out to a bunch so of like much. media. I don't know. Like, no media people it, what, or just everybody. The thing that I saw that is you can, it's this thing. A lot of celebrities yeah, are doing do now where they go on it's like, Oh, yeah. get a text message from Tony. Hanna they started on Twitter media. by saying like, here's my, per- I just want all my fans to know that I'm with you in this, in this challenging time. Here's my personal phone number. Yeah. And then you text it and then you get a canned response. That's like, Obviously, you know, I can't give you my personal phone number. <laughs> so what this really is, is a 
is a is a fan community and it's basically it's the Jeremy thing. Renner app. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so Tony Hawk has Ninja one of those. Did it and, yeah. um, I think Ninja was the first person I saw. I believe that's correct. Doing it. I don't have a problem so with it existing weird, either. I, I was I was bamboozled by um, the the Stephen Amell one because I was oh. like, whoa, maybe he's like going to put his phone number on Twitter for like five minutes and then delete it or something. Because I saw it like right as it was posted and um was like, man, it was right at the beginning of all the quarantine stuff. So I was like, wow, maybe he's just like that dude. And he's just going to like delete the, get rid of the phone number in a day or two. Yeah, these, get a new phone. These people are not, uh, uh, these people are not as daring as John Vignocchi and Dave Lang. Yeah. And then I got the thing I, and it was like, know, it was putting and, someone else's phone number like, on Twitter. I want to say the daring. tweet was literally like, here's my phone number for real. This is my phone number. And then the text you got was like, it's not really my phone number. And that was like, nope, fuck this. Never mind. Never doing this again. The circle of trust has been broken. Yeah. <laughs> but um, Tony Hawk looks yeah. good. The new, the trailer they put uh, out. It looks, looks great. It looks really nice. Yeah. And it's uh, my favorite part of Sorry. this is they, they scanned all the skaters to put in the, this remaster of Tony Hawk one and two. And they didn't de-age them to make them look like they did in the 90s. Yeah. This is like 50-whatever-year-old Tony Hawk. Yeah. Um, uh, which is really good. It has the manuals, and I was told the it reverts. has manuals and reverts. Yep. Like they added Manuals in were in two, two. reverts three. were in three. Yeah. Three, yeah. And they, they're all, you can do all of them on uh, all of the levels, uh, which is yeah. great. Um, yeah. And- I, when I first saw this trailer, I was very much like, Eh, it's cool. I like Tony Hawk a lot, but I don't know. But when I first heard about it, I should say mm-hmm. I was in my head. I was like, what they really should do is make a new Tony Hawk that just includes all of those old levels, which is what this is. <laughs> it looks kind like of, it's yeah. functionally like a new game from the visual perspective and, and keeping the features of the later entries. Yeah, And it's being made by vicarious sure. visions. So it has a chance of being really good. Yeah. Like I mean, their destiny yeah, port was fantastic. It's not, so. it's not Robomoto anymore. So Yeah. They yeah, vicarious visions can make a game. Yeah, they put they're missing five songs, I think, from the soundtrack. But otherwise, that's complete too. Cool. Yeah, yeah, I'll play that. Yep, me too. I'm excited for it. Uh, September, right? September something. And that's an Epic Game Store exclusive (laughs) on PC. What you really? Oh yeah, I guess that makes sense. It sure is. Um, it's interesting because. the one thing about this game's marketing so far that I was like, eh, I don't know about that, uh, is it says like in the end of the trailer, it says like pre-order now to get the warehouse demo. <laughs> and it definitely kind of it doesn't explicitly say you can download this now. But if you were to watch that trailer, you would, I could definitely see someone coming away from it. going, oh, yeah. Oh, I should go pre-order so I can get the warehouse demo now. And then if you look on the page, it doesn't say that it's not available currently, except at the very, very bottom in small yeah. print that it's coming soon. <laughs> Yeah. Which I thought was like, fuck you guys, come on. Uh, Warehouse demo is the right level to demo with. Totally. If I could have, I would have. If I could have gotten the warehouse demo at that moment, I would have totally pre-ordered it after that trailer dropped. Totally. Now it's like, eh, maybe I'll do it okay. when it comes out. Do they replace the secret tapes with something like secret Blu-rays or what? I sure hope not. <laughs> no. Those should be fucking tapes. This game is for is not for for like younger not, people for, yeah no it's, <laughs> it's for people who look at tony hawk and go are you tony hawk it's for people <laughs> like me who put on tony hawk because it was easier to uh to to just set the soundtrack to only play superman over and over and over again <laughs> while i did ho- homework 
And so I did that instead of trying to download it on Napster or buy the CD because sure. <laughs> I had Tony Hawk. That's fair. Um, yeah, I, I had a thought and I lost. It. <laughs> oh, I bet EA wishes they were making Skate fucking four now. I don't think they do. <laughs> I think if anything, they're like, we'll "Good idea, we didn't make Skate four, huh?" <laughs> uh, all right. Well, and next on the. Uh, remaster front i guess uh, uh mafia trilogy the mafia yeah. one this is another one that i was like oh cool i love the first mafia and i've always meant to play two and three i'll play this this trilogy and then i saw the screenshots from mafia one that is a remake <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah it looks real slick it, it looks outstanding yeah it looks nice uh i'm looking forward to mafia two where you get hd nolan north talking to nolan north again yeah, so good. that is a good moment. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, Mafia, the first Mafia is a phenomenal game. And so for it to uh, get this kind of a remaster treatment, a remake treatment, visually at least, is pretty cool. And I, I mean, at this point, I would assume that it's the same story. But otherwise, like, if they're rebuilding the world to that level of fidelity, I would assume that there's pretty significant changes to the feel of the game, which, you know, that can go either way. But, um, I am excited to see what they do with it because the, the visuals are really slick and Mafia three plays really, really well. Um, I played a little bit of it and, and it, it's a, it's a good playing game. Uh, so that'll be cool. Uh, there will be more details on May 19th. So what, Tuesday? Yep. No, Wednesday? That. No, yeah, Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. What uh, is so, time? Yeah. Uh, well, that, well it, what is it? It's midnight, so the date changed over. And I'm like, yeah, what day is it now? <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Our next news story. I know Allison was oh, fuck yeah. jumping out of her skin when she <laughs> saw the Paper Mario. The Origami King was announced. I really hope out of it's nowhere good. by Nintendo. Uh, I hope it's good it, too. Yeah, it looks I see. That's the thing good. is that I'm like, interested. okay, I love Paper Mario. We know this, but uh, its track record is mixed. Yes. <laughs> to say the <laughs> to be very yeah. diplomatic about it. So I am very like I'm both excited and nervous, and I don't know if it'll be good. But it's coming out in July, so we'll find out soon. Mm-hmm. We'll find yeah, out soon. Uh, two months from today, I believe. Yeah, it, I believe it's July seventeenth. I will say, I think it is going to be the kind of game that, even if the if it's disappointing from a gameplay perspective, it looks it looks really outstanding. Cool. It, is, it is beautiful. Like, I think one of the things that people, including me, really like about Paper Mario is just generally the like writing and the world and the characters. And I think that they're hopefully getting it back with yeah. this. It looks the, like they're, they're this, adding a little bit more character to it. Yeah. Uh, you got folded, Bar- folded Bowser as your, as your companion. Yeah. yeah. Which I am, which, which I'm legit pretty excited about. <laughs> and, uh, this trailer starts with the most incredible line in any video game ever. Wow. Which is, Will you crease yourself and be reborn like me? <laughs> that <laughs> Which was has the- some v- very strong. I'll do anything, Mister Obama. Please help me. What? Then perish. <laughs> I, oh. I I absolutely 
was um, like, I, I've never played a Paper Mario and um, I'm generally not a particularly <laughs> big Mario fan. I mean, a lot of it has to do with I don't like Mario, to be honest. Mm. Uh, I've tried multiple times, but I don't. I think that there are some incredible games in the series mechanically from like, you know, between um, Super Mario 64 and uh, at the time anyway, and like a galaxy. And I think Odyssey is, is really a great game. Um, but I am not the target audience for Mario. I generally find like the tone of the world to be pretty off putting. And, yeah. um, but the, the weirdness in the opening of, this trailer, I was like, okay, this I That's can get down with. That's kind of why like, I love Paper Mario is that it adds sure. like it like takes Mario and it just like imbues it with so much character. Yeah, that I feel like the world doesn't always have, and there's a lot more personality, yeah. which is what I really love about it. So yeah, uh, and and then I also think just the the diversity of like the the gameplay on display from like an ex- exploration standpoint, like you're in boats on water and they're like running around. And uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's a, it looked fun. That stuff, the combat to me looked pretty, I don't know. We'll see. Um, It looked pretty gimmicky. And that's the issue that I, from what I understand, that's kind of been the issue with the last couple Uh, entries. Kind of the the gimmick. Yeah. The gimmick (laughs) with the sticker one was that you had a finite resource for any battle yeah. and like, yeah. I mean overall. So like if you ran out of stickers, you were completely boned. Like you didn't have a basic attack to fall back on. Uh, so right. I'm hopeful that the, <laughs> the, the combat mechanics is more, are, are more like the thousand year door, which will be nice. And then yeah. uh, I hope that yeah. every side character is not a toad like oh, in, um, in sticker star. Cause literally every side character was just a toad. It was so annoying. Which yeah, makes it feel like yeah. they just don't they didn't understand what people liked about Paper Mario, which is so yeah, weird. Totally. But like because, yeah. 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 Having having folded Bowser as your buddy seems like they kinda heard it. Yeah. And that's what I'm hoping is that you see some of those things and I'm like, okay. Bowser is always kind of the butt of the joke in Paper Mario. And this is hopefully bringing it back to, yeah. to that. Well but perhaps I will um dust off my GameCube. Hell yeah. And and try and try a little bit. I don't think I will be able to commit to playing through an entire one of those games, but um but but this definitely made me more interested there's in a couple, looking at this. Yeah. There's a couple of worlds that I kind of would like you to get to. <laughs> sure, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I'm definitely more interested and I happen to have a GameCube ready and available to use that conveniently is plugged into my computer monitor. <laughs> Sick. Did, um, GameCube. And I have adapters to use any controller with my GameCube. Uh-huh. But eight bit does really kill but, um, Oh, what am I going to say? Uh, did with, before we move on to the next thing, but with Paper Mario Origami King, did you see the end of the trailer? The little post credits kind of thing? It was so cute. The, the Samus yeah, little... The Samus yes, it, it that was, was very funny. It was adorable. <laughs> Usually the, the, so it also I, made me I, hope that they never make another Metroid now. Now I'm all in uh, on the, like, just keep teasing it forever. Uh, so Nintendo reports are all saying that they're not doing, like, a big direct this summer like they would have for E3 because this threw off their plans so much. So they're just going to kind of drop trailers like this throughout the summer. So we'll probably get a Metroid trailer in a few weeks. Maybe. 
Yeah, that, that's probably the implication there, but uh, we'll see. Um, next up, we got a couple of PlayStation news bits. First, they're updating their uh, creating a logo for like PlayStation Studios first party things. It's they, yep, they, very, they showed it. It's it's the Marvel it, yep, logo. It's a hundred percent the Marvel logo. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, it, where it's the Marvel logo. It's it's the PlayStation logo, but it's the Marvel logo treatment where it's and like clips what, from the movies, uh, all playing. Yeah. What's funny clips is from the games playing as the, it like pans across. It's the Marvel logo treatment that began with Ca- with like Captain Marvel. It's not necessarily the old because the old Marvel. Um, the the old Marvel logo treatment was like the comic books pages flipping. Yeah, it's been that for a little bit longer than Captain Marvel, but yeah, oh, well, whichever one the first one. I looked up. It is pretty new because I was trying to find it to show my partner the Marvel logo, yeah. and then and I found like I don't know, it was like Infinity War or something, and it was still the page flipping. Oh, um, really? hmm. But it may have been not been that one though. Uh, but I, I, the Captain Marvel was the one that I found that was the first one yeah. that had that I could find that had the, the the this one. So it's not even like they're they're like emulating the 20th Century Fox thing or something like some long standing no. thing. It's a pretty in the last few years <laughs> treatment of like, the Marvel logo. <laughs> yeah, it's very much that. And you know, hey, it's uh, good for them for. I guess drawing attention to their uh, first party things like they really wanted to be like, hey, this is a PlayStation. That's part of where I found it to me. One of the strengths of Sony's first party, in my opinion, is very much the fact that like this is a Sony Santa Monica game. It just so happens that Sony Santa Monica games for business reasons because of their owner, their path of ownership only come out on PlayStation. But I don't go like. Fuck yeah, grip it and rip it, Sony, man. They're the best. It's like, no, I think Sony Santa Monica is a great studio. I think Guerrilla Games makes great games. Like, these are people making games. And yes, they're exclusive, but like, I don't need Well, the, I don't like, think it's going to be on every exclusive game either. It's going to be like the PlayStation Worldwide Studios, I believe, is going to be. I, I think it's that kind of thing. I don't know. Aloy and I wonder. That. Aloy and Drake and Nathan Drake are in that. I think. Treatment. Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, we'll see. But I wonder how much of this is because, like, maybe they're going to put more games on PC, so they want to have that PlayStation branding on That'd there. That would be cool. That would be pretty like, neat. Yeah, but, and that would definitely be a. I would be. I'd be willing to take that trade off for, um, for 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 having those games be more uh, available yeah. to people on different platforms. But I just, to me, I saw it and was like, "Come on!" <laughs> oh yeah, no, it's <laughs> it's. Very much like I don't. Do I need this? I don't know. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't. Th- I don't look at. Uh, I don't know. I I don't look at at a, at a slow reel that includes like clips from Uncharted and go like, ah, yes, the Citizen Kane of video games. <laughs> Nathan you Drake. don't. I mean, the, they're 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 all achievements in their own right, but it's just a weird way to 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 message like these are. I almost think those like commercials they did where it was like the kid in the bar and then there were all the characters sure. from the different games that felt more tonally like yeah they are all on playstation that's a good that's a good advertisement even though it was kind of cheesy um this is just kind of like feels masturbatory in a way to how, me that how I'm many just like is, on, so this is gonna come like kind of like the splash screen kind of stuff as games are booting up but 
if games are supposed to be booting up real quick, how often am I going to have to watch this thing? Yeah. Like, is it going to be like, okay, you have to sit through this. As I mean, go to the I will tell you that I again. launched final fantasy seven remake a single time in the entire yeah. time that I played it. So <laughs> I would have only seen that logo one time. Um, but I think I also have to watch it, you know? Yeah. And also I think it's just funny if it had just shown up in front of last of us two or whatever, I would have been like, Oh, that's cute. That's funny. Well, that's sort of a funny it, rip. Yeah. But the fact that they were like, we're announcing our new logo treatment too was like, it <sighs> come on. won't be in front of last of us two. Okay. Or ghost of Tsushima, uh, okay. which it had a big old 18 minute. <sighs> I still haven't watched that uh, really gameplay, but it, you know what it looks like? Assassin's Creed. Yeah, that's kind yeah, of origins and Odyssey. Why I didn't uh, end up feeling uh, that compelled to watch it. I was mixed with Neo. I was told that you have the ability to pet foxes in that game or from yes, that, you can pet that the fox. That makes me far more interested in that game. The the gif of the fox petting that I saw looked like garbage, but I think it was because of the compression. Hoping that's probably cuz of the compression. I'm like hoping it, it looks like a current gen it it looks like a game that would come out around now i don't i don't know it they've got so yeah it looks very much like an assassin's creed game with running around sneaking into locations and killing people or you can do the samurai route uh, of things and do a more like head-on approach uh, so they give you two like paths that you can choose to go down over the course of the game. How that plays out is kind of unclear. They've got like an interesting kind of waypoint, not waypoint system, but like navigation system where you say like, oh, I want to go over there. And in the world, they'll have the wind blow in that direction. And so you like see the wind blowing through the trees and through the fields and that will be like okay i need to go this way to get to that town which is an interesting diegetic way to show that off it's a neat visual treatment i yeah i it but it looks so much like assassin's creed it's hard to be like i need this game in my life i mean what i'll say it's fun it's so funny my arc with this game has been hilarious because when it first was revealed i was like hell yes this looks so cool and then as we got a little bit more, I was like, well, I hope it's open world and it's not just like narr- like a single corridor that you're going down fighting stuff. And then when it became clear it was open world, which was pretty early, it's like, well, I hope it's open world where you have like progression and gear and stuff and you're not it, just. It, it 100% well, does. No, I know. And at this point now I'm like, eh, I don't know. Do I still care? <laughs> like it's doing all this stuff every yeah. step of the way. It's given me what I want. But now that I have what I want, I'm kind of like, I don't know. This sounds like a pretty yeah. generic open world rpg action rpg at this point um so i don't know it i i'm probably gonna play it either way um because i love this style of game it's one of my favorite kinds of games uh but i definitely hope that it is has the kind of depth and um i hope that it's in a sense i hope that it's deeper than assassin's creed i guess um because i like those we talked about them a bunch today i like those games Mm -hmm. a lot but i don't need another I don't need a game to emulate Assassin's Creed, I guess. Well, I th- I think it gives you the opportunity, like with the combat stuff, it's going to give you the opportunity to specialize more. Like there's the and skill that would be trees great. in that's Assassin's it, Creed. That's but, what it needs. Yeah, you can do the, you you can get do all the samurai. I'm halfway done with the skill trees the, in yeah. Assassin's Creed Origins and I'm like, 
a quarter of the way into it, if that. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think if it's the kind of game that lets you really live out those two sides of that coin, the like, which, you know, historical accuracy becomes questionable at this point, but the like ninja side and the samurai side, I think that's an interesting thing potentially. Um, so uh, hopefully it'll, it'll have that. I hope the samurai side has the samurai pizza cats. And <laughs> the, the last thing is it's got a little bit of the Neo like combat system where you can like changing uh, stances mm-hmm. and that's going to impact how you, you know, how you parry or what kind of damage you're doing, how fast you attack, stuff like that. So that seems neat uh, as a way to shake up the combat from just the, R1, R2, or just two-button oh, heavy light. Man. Sorry. Please go for a pet. I, I, I have it up right now. I'm, I'm paying more attention to this conversation than this demo. But I will say that what is striking is the, the world is, looks incredible. And um, the, the music, the audio design happening is mm-hmm. like really yeah. good. And the composition is really good. So those are the kinds of little things that could really draw me in. Um, those moments standing on like a mountain or a hill and looking out and getting the music and seeing the weather roll across. That's the stuff that really pulls me into open world RPGs, um, which is why the Witcher three hit me so hard at first and really did pull me in because it has all those elements. So if this does that, then, you know, I could be standing this game for game of the year and in six months, you know, like, I don't know. We'll just have to see. So the samurai side would have, Samurai Pizza Cats, and by extension, no, I guess the ninja side would have Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, even though they also like pizza. And also they might have Tyler Blevins. Oh no. Oh Oh, no. Oh no. Now I'm upset. (laughs) Who else would the Samurais Um, have though? Actually, and I'm going to preemptively say so that I don't have to do this next week. (laughs) I watched like 30, (laughs) while you were doing that horrible crime just now. I watched like 30 seconds of the, the, the gameplay and it looked really, really good. So I'm, I'm guessing that by next week, I'm going to be like, holy shit, I can't <laughs> wait for this game. Uh, I'm wondering if I'm going to Assassin's Creed myself out by playing Odyssey. Yeah, it's kind of my yeah, concern. That's, but that's, I'm enjoying my time. That's with kind it, of a so. question for me, too. <laughs> it's like. I'm going to be playing all of Syndicate and then be like, oh, I don't need to play. Well, that's why I haven't finished Origins is when Origins was coming out. I was like, because Egyptian history is perhaps uh, the period in, in Egypt that is that, that that Assassin's Creed Origins takes place in is my favorite period in history to learn about um, the like Hellenistic Mediterranean uh, when you had cultures mixing between Greek and Roman and Egyptian and their mythologies were mixing and their, their people were mixing um, is such a fascinating period to me. So when I saw that that's when origins was going to be set, I lost my mind and I played all of the Assassin's Creed games that I had missed, which included rogue unity and syndicate. And then by the time origins came out, I played it for like 10 hours and then stopped playing. Cause I was so burnt out on playing, even though it's very different, I was still burnt out on, on like playing those like a third yeah. person action semi RPG. Um, and so I am sure what will happen this time around with, uh, at least in, as far as Valhalla is concerned is I will play origins and Odyssey this year and then Valhalla will come out and I won't play it until 2022 when the next Assassin's Creed is on the way. Um, but I don't know if it'll come into play with ghost of Tsushima cause it looks very similar from a gameplay perspective, but it also is such a different setting. Um, 
like it's historical, but um, it looks like it's going for a different kind of tone. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, and so that might a lot, because a lot of it for me is that like narrative structure and tone um, is another thing that I tend to get burnt out on. And this just looks different. So we'll see. All right. Well, next news story. Uh, SpaceX is helping NASA send some people up to the International Space Station or some supplies, something like that. And as a part of that, you can try your hand at docking the shuttle to the ISS in this little web browser based simulation, which is pretty neat. But it's real tough. Yeah. Do you think they're going to move the production of Teslas into space? Is that what's going to happen? Oh, so that they don't have to be locked down. How do they get them back down? Sorry. Don't just drop them from orbit. Elon Musk is a fucking dipshit, so I can't yeah, not think I, about I that whenever thinking, I think about SpaceX. I mean, same. Like, honestly, I, I, I just saw this in the news and I was like, oh, fuck Elon Musk. <laughs> <laughs> I like how. I, like I, how, I was. Sorry. Oh, I was just, just an aside, I was looking for a podcast to listen to the other day, and I saw Elon Musk was on Joe Rogan, and I'm like, this is, oh, you boy. could not pay me to listen to that. I think he's been on Joe Rogan. Like, he's been on multiple Yeah, he has, yeah. but I was they're like, like they're that was tight. like number one on the um, uh, podcast, I was like, yeah. oh god, I'm not watching, like. Joe, no Joe Rogan is also threatening to leave LA and move to Texas, which is very funny given that his entire revenue stream at this point is based on getting famous people to sit across from him and do drugs for an hour. So like, I don't know that <laughs> he's ever going to leave LA. But, that seems like pretty empty threats to me. Yeah. I like anyway, but to your point, I like how 10 years ago, everyone's like, Oh, Elon Musk is cool. The Tesla idea is awesome. He's actually thinking of the future. And now that, in now the age of like, oh, uh, age of him getting too much control over Twitter and naming his child something extraordinarily dumb is <laughs> just and, and being literally just becoming the villain. Yeah. He, and in also the Deus Ex game. Yeah, <laughs> he t- <laughs> that 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 and has one of his employees. He tried to get them killed by the police. Yeah, the, there's a lot of stuff which has marred the Tesla and SpaceX names, even though they're they, yeah. they, they are good ideas and they're being executed on relatively. Well, I mean, maybe not for the production. Him that's doing it, and I also think SpaceX is a particularly dangerous thing because oh yeah, um, it is the idea of privatizing space is um, terrifying, Um, and the the least we could do is keep capitalism a thing that we ruin Earth with and not take it to the stars. Um, I'm going to the one place capitalism can't reach me. Space <laughs> and so I, <laughs> I think that that I've always been wary of SpaceX, and I think stuff like this doc. I mean, it's 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 relevant to this conversation too. I don't mean to like derail us because stuff like this docking simulator is the kind of stuff that is interesting, and I'm certainly going to mess around with it. But it also is very much designed to make you go, "Oh, SpaceX, they're cool. They had that. They did the the ISS thing, and there was that docking simulator that you could use on the." Web. I mean, they don't want you to think of SpaceX as as Elon, Elon Musk. Musk's <laughs> weird hobby project that is yeah. potentially going to allow him to buy Mars. <laughs> like that. So God. it's an interesting thing. Um, and I think the way that I think this conversation we're having is good because this is this is the stuff we should talk about when this comes up. And I actually find it a little bit troubling that when it's reported on in games media, you don't see those conversations mm-hmm. happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. Yeah. 
that said, uh, this seems real cool. So yeah, no, this yeah, is me. It's, I'm not saying don't try it. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, you know, it's. Uh, I think who uh, it's. I, I don't know if SpaceX or I don't know who made. It. I guess SpaceX made it. They've got the branding yeah, on there. And if hey, if you like it, Kerbal Space Program Two coming soon someday. Yeah. <laughs> talk about i mean hey it's also problems uh you know you don't have to give them any money to play it so just oh yeah 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 yeah. so i mean i think be aware like hey yeah like elon musk is kind of terrible but you know but space is cool cool. no i like space and the the people who are doing the actual science behind the shit they're making pretty fucking impressive yeah yes I watched Interstellar uh, over the last like two, three days. It's still good. Anyway, <laughs> next news story. Alan Wake, 10th anniversary. God. You know what that means? It's coming to Game Pass. That's pretty cool. It's, it's interesting yeah. it's Game Pass because, you know, it's a remedy game. But it only ever came, well, never mind. I was going to say it only ever came to Xbox, but it also it's, came to PC. But yeah, because Remedy got the publishing rights back from Microsoft like this year. Something like that, yeah. And then they just handed it back uh, to Microsoft. Very recently. <laughs> they, you know, they didn't, they're not publishing rights, but just like, oh yeah, you can put it on Game yeah. Pass. I, they probably didn't have to do any work on it because it's probably just Microsoft has done like all that port work on so much stuff. Yeah. So Al- probably pretty trivial. Yeah. Just like, yeah. Alan sure. Wake is a good game. Allison, have you ever played Alan Wake? Uh, I played a decent amount of it. I never finished it, um, but I played it on PC. Yeah, that seems like such a you game. PC port is <laughs> yeah. Dude. Yeah, I need he to would, actually finish like it because I I do have it. I I think this is like early on into me enjoying most horror content. So mm-hmm. I was a little bit like spooked, but it's it's a really cool game. I I do really like it. It loses some of its spookiness, um, yeah. in my opinion, it because it, it, it's pretty repetitive. The, the one yeah. the thing I don't like about it is the combat's very repetitive. Right. It's um, like flashlight thing. And you're like, you're good. Yeah. <sighs> um, but the story is the story is really interesting. It's got yeah. that, that remedy cool to yeah. it. So. Yeah. No, it, I, I, the, the vibe of it is really good. Like, I really I think that's the thing that I liked the most about it was just the atmosphere of Alan Wake in general was was really was really neat and like I mean this was so distinctive too where it's like I I played it I played it back in 2013 and that's the last time I played it and it's like I still have like very vivid feeling of playing that game so it's like it just that that atmosphere is really cool yeah all right next news story X respawn uh, dev leads new uh, X respawn leads form a new <laughs> studio gravity. Well, yeah, cool. uh, sounds they are going to do remote. Yeah, work it seems, it seems like they're triple A. Yeah, it seems like they're going to do everything remote like forever, which is neat for a, uh, for a, you know, a triple A studio. It gives them the opportunity to hire like a pretty diverse. Oh yeah. There's more oppor- so, opportunities sorry. for like, Hiring whoever versus just, you know, who's local or who's willing to move. So that's that's cool. Yeah. Uh-huh. And it's like these the, are a lot of the no real information. Besides yeah, that. But these are a lot of the people who brought you uh, like Titanfall 2 and Apex Legends and even some like they were behind Modern Warfare 2. 
stuff like that. That's Drew McCoy and uh, mm-hmm. Slothy, whatever his actual name is. I don't remember his actual name. So no idea. Pretty cool. All right, next news story. Almost there. <laughs> the return of one of the all-time greats. Jay Allard is back. Fuck, yes, he is. At in television. What? In television? <laughs> yeah. Did it help launch the Amico? What? In October? Yeah. In tele- Trouble. In television, Amico. Why? Um, uh, he got tired of building bikes. Why the Amico? Why yeah, the Amico? Because they offered Tommy to give him <laughs> Yeah, it was like, hey, Jay, I got... I got a big bag of money. Yeah. Hey, Jay, and everyone in Portland already has a bicycle. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I generally think the Amico looks really cool. Um, the stuff like they've kind of shown of it seems intriguing. I don't know. I, I think attaching Jay Aller's name to it is fucking hilarious. Um, yeah. I hope he, they put is. him on a stage yeah. and he flips a chair back and he's like, he's like, all right, I'm going to tell you guys a story. <laughs> I hope that this is the harbinger for the return of idle thumbs. That's the only yeah. thing that I can think of. Uh, that would be real great. Although that's not going to happen and they seem very happy. So good for them. But uh, yeah, that's like this far. <laughs> my, my interest in Jay Allard comes al- almost entirely from <laughs> the, the ways in which he uh, is referenced on that show. So it's the legend behind Jay Allard more so than Jay Allard himself. Yeah, I mean, I've seen those press conferences. I know who he yeah. is and stuff, but he's he's yeah. great. He's a that's weird. He was a he was a network engineer very early on in Microsoft. He's the basically the reason the Xbox 360 was so heavily online. Yeah, so like he's he's significant. Well, great for the Intellivision, which is not online <laughs> yeah. at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a good thing he's there. And finally, our our last news story. It's a real doozy. Uh, last year, 2019, maybe 2018, a game called The Culling came out. It was a battle royale game. And it basically shut down, I think, a week into its operation because it just didn't have the player base. Looks like it came out in 2016. But it's back. Really? Yeah, it was pre-PUBG, I think. Yeah. It was like one of the first oh, okay. standalone. And the thing was, is part of the reason it failed is because Battle Royale wasn't really like on Maybe, the tips yeah. of people's tongues. So it was like, oh, this game is like that ba- is like Battle Royale, the book. Was it a stick and rock game? Yes. As far as I know, it was very much like okay. you, you got into these games and you started with just your fists. But instead of looting stuff, it was like, oh, yeah, you find a pipe and now you have a pipe you can swing at people and then now you you wired a rock to it and now you it hits people better um <laughs> and like there were guns and stuff you could find but that it was definitely more in line with a rust that was a like rapid play mm-hmm. till everyone's dead um so i don't even know if it had like a closing circle or anything no, i don't think so not well, at that time it's it has uh it is coming back and <laughs> Your first game every day will be free, but after that, you need to pay. That's such a strange model. It's like it's the worst. It's like the modern equivalent of arcade games. I mean, yeah, but it's like I think it's a dollar per play when you could die just immediately. Yeah, and also people. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. No, I mean, it's just like 
I was, I've, I've thought about that. Like, what would be the interest in that? I mean, like, I still, when we're not in uh, pandemic times, like, I like going to uh, a local barcade, but it's like, you know, that's the experience of it. Like, mm. when you're at home, you don't necessarily, like, I don't know, a dollar per, per play feels very... Well, yeah. And, Sorry, go for a bet. If you... If there were two barcades side by side, both locally owned, and in one of them you could go in, pay for beers, and shove quarters into machines, and in the other one they said, "Oh, the machines are all free to play. We just want you to hang out and have have beers." Uh, so you know, yeah. just enjoy the machines. Like you're gonna go to the one with the free play, machines. Yeah, and I mean, I it's bizarre. Yeah, and and I don't know. Like I think that they're is a lot more of a justification if you're like, hey, we have bought these these big, like, actual machines. Totally. yeah. Versus, right. like, hey, this is, you can pay, play per, pay per match, but also, like, Fortnite exists, you know? Yeah, like, <laughs> like yeah. Uh, there's two reasons I can see this maybe being a positive. One would be, like, in PUBG, something that was annoying was how many AFKs there were that were just kind of they would follow the plane and accrue credits to buy stuff, but also that wasn't really affecting people's games, so who cares? Uh, and the other one yeah. is like, I could see this like paying ten cents per match for like a ranked mode of some of some really good game where you want to get onto like global leaderboards, like that kind of ranked mode. Maybe it helps with like cheaters. Maybe, well, probably, yeah. but, but but either way, it's a fucking dialogue. I mean, idea. like to an extent. That's kind of similar to what like Hearthstone does, right? With the um, with uh, some of the, the arena arena mode. mode, yeah, yeah. Um, but at the same time, you can still earn uh, well, like access to that. Not it doesn't take it's not too long. Like I haven't played Hearthstone since all of the like Blizzard stuff, but I but I mean like I didn't necessarily feel a lot of pressure to get into that and it's not like the main mode of the game either so it's and with card games because they all have something like that those modes arena and in its expeditions in legends of runeterra is a similar mode um they come from the concept of drafting right. like draft events where you go to a store and you buy in for twenty dollars and then you pass packs around a table to draft cards and in physical like Magic the Gathering draft events, you leave with the cards that you got. Right. So you come away with something. And that's why in those modes, like in Arena, it costs $2 to play in Arena, but you always get a pack at the end, which costs $2. So you always right. get the equivalent value of what you would have gotten if you just went into the game store and right. bought a pack. Right, and, and if you're particularly so, skilled at, at, at Arena, you can get... Earn way more. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, so it's it. this is like... You're just paying. To, it's like if every ranked match in Hearthstone cost a dollar. I don't like Hearthstone, but it's a good game. The Culling is not a good game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, yeah. And I, I mean, there's a big difference between, hey, here's a really good game. You could theoretically not put any money into it and still have a good time. Um, but also here's ways that you can pay and get like kind of extra content or more or mm. more things that you might want. Versus, here's a not very good game. Do you want to play it at all? Pay us money. <laughs> like, I, th- I think. So, oh, sorry. Oh, I'm just gonna say I'm gonna break down the prices for you to buy the game. Uh-huh. Six dollars. Oh, oh, there's a price to buy the game. 
Yeah, oh. unless you <laughs> unless you owned the calling or the calling two. Oh yeah, they made uh, the second one. Oh yeah, God. that's what I was thinking of. It's like left for a week and no one was happy about right. the calling two. So if you owned either of those, then you just have this new calling game. Uh-huh. A three pack of to- play tokens okay. is ninety nine cents. Okay. Okay. A ten pack two ninety nine. Uh, twenty pack best value four ninety nine. Then we're on to unlimited online pass. Seven days, two dollars. Seven days. Oh my god. Thirty days, five ninety nine. So basically, so you're like gonna be could... you're you're basically spending six dollars a month as a subscription service if you want to play this every day. Right, and it's like which, yeah. it's like the, those prices could if. be worse, but like I would find that probably acceptable for a good game. <laughs> like I'm paying $15 a month to play World of Warcraft right now, but I'm having a really good time with World of right. Warcraft. And it's also like a game that services a lot of people that incurs server costs and has ongoing support and development. So like, I guess if they take the calling and make it into a fucking awesome game that they're constantly having events and adding new content Sure. Yeah, like I wouldn't sure. mind paying six dollars a month for if if I was really interested in a game and I was playing it every day. Like, it, it, I would, I probably wouldn't mind. But like, you can't just say, "Hey, here's this game that presumably nobody's like, oh yeah, I can't wait." And okay. I don't know. So yeah. Let me put this out there for you. The Culling still has existed on Steam, right? Uh, in the last thirty days, they took it down. Uh, I the, they took the calling two. They took the down, calling two down. Yeah, uh, the average the calling. Sorry, yeah. The average number of players of the calling in the last thirty days was two point nine. <laughs> um, at its peak, <laughs> it had forty five hundred. That was back, which in, is not good peak numbers. Well, especially if it's like a battle royale. You yeah, need players. Like yeah. you need lots of, play- and you don't want to be playing against the same people all the time. I also I take that back. You can't. There is no version of the calling that you can currently get. So what happens? Well, now you can get the calling origins on Xbox One. Right. Okay. Well. Cool. <laughs> um, also, the calling two store page is still up. You can't get it anymore. But um, it Ugh. says the calling returns to take battle royale to the next level. <laughs> Real world weapon ballistics. A strategically brutal melee combat system and goes on from there. Oh, <laughs> oh my god, cool real world uh-huh. weapon ballistics. Uh, it's a receiver, but it's a battle royale. Wow. You blow your leg off every time you try to holster your weapon. The culling origins reviews mostly negative. <laughs> yeah, cool. Yeah, this seems like a very bad decision. <laughs> But they got that Xbox exclusivity, but they're not doing uh. and they're not doing it for um. It's a bad decision. You know who's a bad decision for is Microsoft to to like give them the ability to release this thing because like th- this is actually probably a great decision for them. They're going to use recycled assets. They're getting airtime <laughs> because they're doing this weird pricing model and, you know, they'll probably make some money off of this because people are going to be like, "Well, this is dumb. I'm going to do this." Sorry. And it's a meme. I just looked at the video which is announcing this. Uh, it currently has 543 likes, 26,000 dislikes. Oh, God. <laughs> B- bad attention's better than no You're attention. Right. I mean, the, like, that ratio is amazing. It depends. Views, uh, maybe. Hate views are still, you know, they still, you can still cash in hate views. I, I bet they're, they'll, they're not monetizing oh. this trailer. I bet well, they'll make more so. money 
on this game than they did on the calling too. That's true. Maybe Quote, yeah. I'm impressed. You managed to kill a game before it even gets released. Even for you guys, that is special. Good. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, the calling <laughs> origins, probably not coming to next gen consoles, but probably not. going to last more than a month. Oh, we'll that's, that's, what, that's, that's, you know, they got to at least last two online passes. Okay. Are we going to take bets? When does this actually launch and when do we expect this to die? It's it's oh, out. It's out. It's uh, out. Fucking <laughs> it launched on the 14th. Oh, shit. Okay, um, when do we expect it to die? Um by the end of summer. I'm going to I think it's going to the the um whatever so I guess if it launched on the 14th, yep. I think it'll probably die 31 days after that. They're going to go so they can collect the 30-day fee from everyone a second time and then shut her down. Okay. Mm-hmm. Allison? I think that they I think that they'll try to like stretch it out longer than it should, but it'll still be uh shut down by mid August. Okay, I'm gonna go for Jan or July first. Cool. Okay. All right, I have those written down. I think <laughs> I think they'll want to try and like get that summer. Uh, people probably want to be outside during the summer, but there'll be plenty of people who are gonna stay inside. I think they'll want to try and get as much of that time as they can. So I think yeah, end of summer is most likely, but who knows? Could be shut down tomorrow. But hey, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, hopefully those people can keep a job, but uh, yeah, the, not uh, through yeah. this weird yeah, business model. This, it, is, this not, is a grift, though. Not, <laughs> not the people who came up with this business model, but uh, the developers. Yeah, yeah, yeah it gets into who. Yeah. Yeah. It gets into territory, though. To meet for me, that's so like you are. I mean, I want people to be employed and have jobs, but also you are working on a on a grift. And it's kind of like, ugh, I don't know. This is fucked up. This is a bad thing. Uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's truly strange. But uh, I would be. We uh, live in strange times. I'm not a gambling fan and I don't. I'm not pro more ways for people to gamble. So don't take this that way. But it would mm-hmm. almost be more interesting to me if it was like. Three pack, 99 cents, three pack tokens. And if you win a game, you win a dollar. And. Mm-hmm. If you win a hundred games, then you've won a hundred. That's a bad idea. <laughs> it's terrible. Oh, it would be really bad. At the same time, like I, I, it would make more sense to me though. It would. I wouldn't hold it against them. <laughs> I mean, I would hold it against them, but I wouldn't be surprised really. And at least it would make it seem like the monetary aspect has like some kind of impact beyond just paying for a shitty game that's already been like that's shitty. <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah, that's stay tuned for all the hottest, the calling origins updates. You know what? Sure. Hear about it on our game of the year at the end of the year. Yeah, totally. (laughs) You know, what's not shitty is final fantasy seven remake. And we did a spoiler cast about that. Yeah, we did a spoiler cast that is going up sometime after you hear this, probably, or about the same time time, you hear this. But if you're listening to this, you can probably go listen to the Final Fantasy 7 spoiler cast uh, which myself Pat uh, and friends of the site or friends of the podcast uh, Jeff Davis and Chris Edgerton 
uh, joined us for to yeah. talk all things Final Fantasy VII. I immediately got off. We talked that. about Advent Children more than I thought we would. We talked about Kingdom Hearts more than we probably should have. <laughs> uh, a lot I, of Kingdom I Hearts. I felt goofs. very bad for Jeff because Jeff is has a white hot hatred of Kingdom <laughs> Hearts. <laughs> <laughs> so they were a little, uh, I think, ready for that to be over. <laughs> but also, I immediately messaged them after the the, the podcast to talk about uh, a part of the spoiler cast that I wanted to talk about that we didn't have time to. And they were like, Oh my God, me too. I had a bunch of notes about that. So we could have talked about that game for another dozen hours. Probably. (laughs) It's there's a lot there, but we'll have a chance in another five years. Once part two is ported to unreal engine five, we'll have a chance in about six months. Talk about final fantasy (laughs) seven remake again. Don't you worry. Seven months. Maybe. Well, yeah. Hmm. Oh boy. E3 was supposed to be in like less than a month. Yep. And so we got now Key Key oh, here, key, let's, three, key 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 So Jeff Grubb has put out a list of all the things he is he believes to be happening. Uh, throughout the Summer Game Fest or Summer Game Mess as he is calling it. So Mafia Trilogy trailer May 19th. This list says Mel Gibson picture. I think it's a Mad Max thing. That the, his, he, he believes the, there's a Mad Max thing happening. Okay. <laughs> this is more iffy now is in parentheses after Mel Gibson I, picture. <laughs> I love Jeff Grubb. I think he's batting about 500 on <laughs> predicting announcements at this point. So I would take some of these unconfirmed ones with a grain of salt. <laughs> PlayStation event on June 4th, uh, June 6th to 8th is the gorilla collective. Is that the kind of funny thing? I believe that's what they're calling their thing. I can't keep track. Uh, June 9th to 14th steam game festival. That'll be, be a bunch of demos for, games june 10th xboxing day june 11th cyberpunk 2077 trailer june 11th ea play live tenocon july 12th ubisoft uh july something something xbox game studios reveal which we know that is happening we just don't know the date early august a state of play featuring ps5 games uh and then it is August 24th, Gamescom. It is, if the PS5 is coming out this holiday, and I don't think that this is inaccurate, but it is fucking wild that we might not see PS5 games until like three months before that thing comes out. That uh, is... Well, this, supposedly June 4th is the... Oh, okay. Supposed okay. To be, yeah, so June 4th <laughs> is there supposed to be like a whole bunch of PlayStation games. Okay, okay. I would hope, because... Yeah. Wow. If there was like three months, that would be it's a fucking wild. This is supposed to be like a bigger event. And then August is just a, like a state of gotcha. play. The exact thing is happening that I was concerned about happening and figured would happen, which is. And it's making me think maybe we do need E3, which is like all this stuff is just like, oh, one day there's this one day. There's this one day. There's this. And I feel like. I'm forgetting more things than I'm remembering. Like I've already forgotten most of what was in that inside Xbox. Not that it was a particularly good event or particularly memorable, but like it's frustrating the way that things get lost when everyone does the their discourse own discourse around it has been weird. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
And I don't care if like, I'm not saying it's not interesting that that kind of funny is doing their thing and IGN is doing their thing. But at the same time, like, I don't care who's doing it. I don't care about kind of funny. I don't care about IGN. I care about like seeing these games. And it's frustrating to me that they're broken up in such a way that it's now like, well, if you don't watch the kind of funny thing, you might miss this thing. And if you don't watch the the IGN stuff, you might might miss this. I just want them all in one place, because what ends up being the most interesting to me is the weird stuff that could through the cracks like the game that i'm most interested in from all the stuff we've seen is that like call of the sea game that was in the xbox thing and that's such an easy thing to miss i don't even remember what that is yeah it's a really beautiful looking narrative game that i'm very excited about uh like in terms of like new announcements i mean of new games so i don't know it just makes it feel like that stuff is so easy to miss unless you're Mm. staying abreast of everything and that's easier yeah. to do over four days than three months. Yeah. Well, with that, we're going to wrap it up here for this episode, which went much longer than anticipated. They always do. They we always to, do. Yeah. We need to tighten this up. Uh, but thank you for joining me, everyone, on episode 121 of the Gaming Fix podcast on May 16th. I've been your host, Andre Cole, a.k.a. your partner's favorite flip trick. You can find me on Twitter at CoolSlaw, C-O-O-L-S-L-4-W. Pat, where can people find you? You can find me at PJC Plays everywhere, Twitter, Mixer, anywhere fine games are discussed or played. Uh, and you can just check out my, my mixtape, my MC Twist mixtape later this summer. Great. Dropping... Uh, soon in the summer game fest. Yeah. Alex, you can find me at podchaser.com backslash gaming fix. Nice. Allison, you can find me on Twitter at W R I T E R S E R E N Y T Y. And you can find the gaming fix podcast on Twitter at fix podcasts. And you could go to fix.space to see some reviews, uh, maybe an article about Final Fantasy VII and, uh, in the future and some other stuff. I don't know. Just check it out. Go check out that Pod Chaser thing and leave us a review if you're listening. Tell tell your friends. Tell your tell your parents. Tell your uh, your priest. Uh, your therapist. <laughs> your I don't know. Just yeah. Tell your it, tell it your helps. local skateboarders. Yeah, tell, tell your skateboarders that we love skateboarders here at Kamek Fix and want them to be happy. I think we may have actually said some semi-disparaging thing about things about skateboarders when Jason Dill was discussed. We may have. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, that was a week ago. It might, as well <laughs> yeah. not it might as well have happened like three years ago. Yeah, like, yeah. Ooh. In quarantine time. Yeah. Well... Thanks for joining me, everybody. It's been fun. Bye. 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 I had to yawn.